Recording live from Studio Shanto, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz! And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with the uh, very titillating Tyler Dean. How are we doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, very well. We're we're doing a special broadcast today. Special special recording. Um, Monday night because Tyler goes on vacation eight times a year. I have a work training trip. Mm-hmm. That's what he's calling it. But we know it's just to get his suntan on. Come so on. We, we won't be talking about Monday night football because it hasn't happened yet. No. Well, you're no fun, Tyler. Oh, hey. <laughs> well, it's just the Niners. Way to ruin everything. Well, it's just the Niners, yeah. I mean, I, I fully expect Aaron Rodgers to light up the Niners like it's nobody's business, but I guess that's neither here nor there. Yeah, see, we're, we're recovered. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> kind of, yeah. I mean, um, interesting week in the NFL. Uh, lots of stuff that went on yesterday. Um, we we got to see some uh, fun stories unfold this week. We got to see some fun play go on. I, I We got to see uh, Saquon Barkley blow up. We got to see... Uh, Adam Thielen doing some stuff. We got to, see, I mean, we got to see some stuff. I mean, we got to see that Ravens defense going ham. Um, we got to see if Baker Mayfield was the real deal. Um, I mean, we we have a lot going on this week. Um, we got to see some very good teams struggle, and some of them lose. We got to see uh, some teams start to dig themselves out of the cellar. So, uh, Tyler, are you excited to go over uh, Week Six here? Oh no, this is a good week. I'm very excited over this. This is a great week. So let's go over the scores right here in week six of the NFL, starting with the Eagles and the New York Giants. The Philadelphia Eagles topped the New York Giants 34-13, just a thrashing. Carson Wentz, 26 for 36, 278, three touchdowns. Wendell Smallwood, 18 carries for 51 yards. Corey Clement also saw some time, 11 for 43 and a touchdown. Nelson Aguilar. Three receptions for 91 yards. Alshon Jeffrey, eight receptions for 74. Two touchdowns. Zach Ertz, seven for 43 and a touchdown. Over on the Giants side, Eli Manning, 24 for 43. 281 yards and a pick. Saquon Barkley lit the world on fire. Fire. There we go. 13 carries, 130 yards, one touchdown. Also nine receptions for 99 yards. The man was just insane. Uh, Corey Lattimore also had three receptions for 52 yards on the day as the Eagles advance to 3-3 three and three and the Giants fall to an abysmal 1-5. Tyler, what you got for us? Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Falcons. The Falcons win 34-29 after a very interesting final play of the game. The Falcons are now 2-4, and four, trying to inch their way back into contention, and the Buccaneers drop to 2-3. James Winston with 30 to 41, 395 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. On the ground, Peyton Barber led the team, 13 carries and 82 yards. James Winston also had five carries and 31 yards. Adam Humphreys had three receptions and 82 yards. Four touchdowns went to uh, O.J. Howard, Chris Godwin, Peyton Barber, and Cameron Wright. A good game there for Barber. Barber had himself a monster game. On the Falcons side, Matt Ryan goes 31 to 41. 354 yards, three touchdowns. Great game there for Matt Ryan. Big one. Leading their team in rushing was Tevin Coleman in uh, Freeman's injury, 10 carries and 35 yards. But Ido Smith also had 11 carries and 22 yards and got in the end zone. Julio Jones had 10 receptions through, through the year and 143 yards. 
Austin Hopper got the uh, looper, got the, got nine receptions and 70, 71 yards with the touchdown. Mohamed Sanu got the end zone as well, and as did Tevin Coleman through the air. What do you got? Um, over on the uh, with over in Cleveland, it was the L.A. Chargers, the San Diego Chargers, the Las Vegas Chargers, whatever the hell they're calling themselves these days. Thirty-eight to fourteen over the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Philip Rivers sort of a rough day. Eleven for twenty, two hundred seven, two touchdowns and a pick. Um, Melvin Gordon, huge game for him on the ground. Eighteen carries, one hundred thirty-two yards, three touchdowns. Austin Eckler also saw some carries. Seven carries for sixty yards. Keenan Allen also had a few carries, four for 41 yards. They were handing the ball off to everybody and anybody. Uh, Receiving-wise, Tyrell Williams led the team, three receptions for 118 yards, two touchdowns. Keenan Allen, four receptions for 62 yards as well. Over with the Browns, Baker Mayfield, 22 for 46, 238, a touchdown and two picks. Duke Johnson led the team in rushing, two carries for 36 yards. Um, And Carlos Hyde, very rough day on the ground, 14 carries for 34 yards. Nick Chubb also got a little bit of playing time, three carries for 25. Receiving-wise, Damian Ratley led the team six receptions for 82 yards. Duke Johnson, four for 73. And David Njoku, seven receptions for 55 yards and a touchdown as the Browns fall to the Chargers. Tyler, what you got? The New York Jets top the Indianapolis Colts, 42-34. Jets now move to 3-3, three and three and the Colts drop to 1-5. and five. Ouch. Andrew Luck with 23 for 43, 301 yards, four touchdowns, but threw three interceptions. Marlon Mack led the team in the, on the rushing game with 12 carries and 89 yards, a great average there, 7.4. Um, Naheem Hines also had three carries and 14 yards. Through the air, Eric Ebron had four receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Ebron um, showing up, being that be that guy for this Colts team. Yeah, starting either, to... he, either the. Uh, he, He's improving, or he's, uh, I don't know, because he was not the type of player in Detroit. Uh, yeah, the Lions must be kicking themselves right now. Uh, they, I think they are. <coughs> Chester Rogers also had four, four receptions and 55 yards and a touchdown. And Marcus Johnson also had 52 yards and a touchdown as well. On the Jets side, Sam Darnold went 24 for 30, 280 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Lyle Powell had 16 carries and 59 yards, and Isaiah Crowell had 13 carries and 40 yards. A bit of a uh, downgrade from Crowell's performance last week. Yes, absolutely. Through the year, Jermaine Curse went nine receptions and 94 yards. Terrell Pryor um, shown back up, five receptions, 57 yards, and a touchdown. And Chris, Christopher Herndon, the fourth, had two receptions, 56 yards, and a touchdown. What do you got? Uh, the Seattle Seahawks beat the Oakland Raiders 27-3. Just dominant performance. Russell Wilson, 17 for 23, 222 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Chris Carson, 14 carries, 59 yards. Rashad Penny also got to get off the bench there, nine carries for 43 yards. Uh, and receiving-wise, you got to see some work out of Doug Baldwin there, six receptions for 91. David Moore, two receptions for 47 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett also hit the end zone as well. With the Raiders, Derek Carr, very rough day, 23 for 31, 142 yards. Uh, no touchdowns or picks in that situation. Marshawn Lynch had 13 carries for 45 yards, leading the team. Jalen Richard, seven receptions for 48 yards. Seth Roberts had five receptions for 31 yards as the Raiders fall to the Seahawks. Tyler, hit me. Carolina Panthers, Washington Redskins. The Redskins go up 23-17. The Redskins are now 3-2. and The Panthers are now 3-2. Cam Newton went 27 for 40, 275 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. 
Cam Newton led the team in rushing as well with nine carries and 43 yards. Christian McCaffrey, he had himself a rough day with eight carries, 20 yards. Devin, Devin Funches had five receptions, 74 yards, and a touchdown. And DJ Moore starting to show starting to show up here, starting to break it out in his rookie year a little bit. It's about time. Um, not quite as good as Calvin Ridley, but he uh, has, a, has a mild four receptions, 59 yards. He also had an 18-yard run. Torrey Smith got a touchdown as well for this team on 43 yards. And he's woken up too. On the Redskins side, Alex Smith has a has a Kind of a quiet day here. 21 for 36, 163 yards and two touchdowns. Adrian Peterson had 17 carries and 97 yards, another great game for AP. Alex Smith also ran the ball six times on 13 yards. Through the air, Vernon Davis had three receptions and 48 yards and a touchdown. Paul Richardson had 31 yards, three receptions, and a touchdown as well. What do you got? The Houston Texans topped the Buffalo Bills 20 to 13. Uh, Josh Allen, 10 for 17, 84 yards. Nathan Peterman wound up entering the game after Allen was hurt. Uh, Peterman goes 6 for 12 for 61 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. LaShawn McCoy, 16 carries for 73 yards. Josh Allen did run around a little bit, four carries for 20 yards. Uh, Receiving-wise, Kelvin Benjamin, two receptions for 43, and Zay Jones had three for 35 and a touchdown. With the Texans, Deshaun Watson, 15 for 25, 177, one touchdown, two picks. Lamar Miller, 15 carries for 46 yards, leads the team. DeAndre Hopkins had five receptions for 63 yards and a touchdown. And Kiki Cootie had three receptions for 33 yards. Will Fuller also had two receptions for 33 yards as the Texans win on a pick six right at the end of the game there. Tyler, what you got for me? The Minnesota Vikings. Yeehaw! Top the Arizona Cardinals, 27-17. Arizona Cardinals fall one and five. And the Minnesota Vikings move up to three, two, and one. So they're starting to get, they're starting to get, getting mid-season form. Yep. They're starting to be the team that they're supposed to be. Gaining that traction, I love it. Josh Rosen went twenty-one for thirty-one, two hundred forty yards and an interception. David Johnson had eighteen carries, fifty-five yards and a touchdown. But not not too bad there by DJ. Nope. And through the air, um, Christian Kirk had six receptions, seventy-seven yards. Uh, Ricky Seal Jones also had five receptions, sixty-nine yards. What do you got? Oh, well, geez, Tyler, over in uh, in Cincinnati there, the Pittsburgh geez, Steelers. What? Geez, Tyler, you ran right through that. I wasn't expecting it to be done that quick. Pittsburgh Steelers topped the Cincinnati Bengals 28-21. to um, Ben Roethlisberger, 32 for 46, 369 and a touchdown. James Conner, big game, 19 carries, 111 yards, two touchdowns. Juju Smith-Schuster led the team in receiving seven receptions with 111. And Antonio Brown had five for 105 and a touchdown, the game winner. And Vance McDonald, seven receptions for 68 yards. With the Bengals, Andy Dalton, 26 for 42, 229 and two touchdowns. Joe Mixon, 11 carries for uh, 64 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Green had seven receptions for 85. Tyler Boyd, again, getting on the board here. Uh, Seven receptions for 62 yards, two touchdowns. And C.J. Uzoma, I love that name. C.J. Uzoma, six receptions for 52 yards. Tyler, hit me. The reason I went through it two passes, I didn't do the home thing. Ah. So backing up, the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Kirk Cousins goes 24-34, 233 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Latavius Murray had a great game, 24 carries, 155 yards, and got the end zone for a touchdown. Monster game for him. Kirk Cousins also ran for a touchdown on the ground. So it's two touchdowns total for Kirk Cousins. Yes. 
And through the, through the air, Adam Thielen, 11 receptions, 123 yards, and a touchdown. That's his sixth straight 100-yard performance. Interesting. And Treadwell, wow. Yeah, Laquan. yards, four receptions. Laquan Treadwell had four targets, and he caught all four of them. Not bad. Very proud. So far, he's looking like he's wanting to fight for that job beside the him give him one more year to try. He's pushing for it. But to uh, now to get back to the game I was supposed to do since I was a dumbass got that one. Smart move. Um, the Bears and the Dolphins. The Dolphins win 31-28. The Dolphins move to 4-2. Great start to the season to a team that I wasn't expecting to do this. Not at all. And the Bears drop to 3-2 after their bye week. Mitch Trubisky goes 22 for 31, 316 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Good game there. I can't, I'm not going to fault Trubisky. It was an exciting one. Jordan Howard had 14 carries and 69 yards. And uh, Terry Cohen also got, got some playing time. He had five carries, 31 yards, and a touchdown. Tyler Gabriel had five receptions, 110 yards through the air. But it was Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, and Trey Burton who all got the touchdown through the air. On the Dolphins' side, Brock Osweiler got the start in this game, played the entire game, 28-44, 380 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Big game for Osweiler coming off the bench like that. For sure. I mean, he got two picks there, but he, he, he got the job done. Didn't, didn't, it was actually surprising to see him performing the way he was, so I was actually pretty impressed with Brock Osweiler. On the ground, Frank Gore continuing to show that he has alien blood running through his system. 15 carries, 101 yards on the ground. Topping Kalen Drake, who had just two carries less than 13, but only had 57 yards, which still isn't a bad average, 4.4. So the running game there in uh, Miami is looking really strong. Yes, it is. Um, through the air, Albert Wilson had six receptions, 155 yards, and two touchdowns. Mm, big game. And Nick O'Leary, O'Leary had four receptions, 49 yards, and touchdown as well. As the Dolphins beat Bears, what do you got? The L.A. Rams extend their undefeated streak, 6-0, uh, squeaking by the Denver Broncos, 23-20. Jared Goff, a little bit of a rough day for him, 14 for 28, 201 and an interception. Uh, the big story here was Todd Gurley, 28 carries, 208 yards, two touchdowns in his first 200-yard game. Uh, Robert Woods had seven receptions for 109. Brandon Cooks, two for 53. Um, over with the Broncos, Case Keenum had himself an all right game, 25 for 41, 322 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, not much rushing going on for the old Broncos. Royce Friesman leads the team, nine carries for 22 yards. Uh, Receiving-wise, though, Emmanuel Sanders, big game, seven receptions, 115 yards and a touchdown. Cortland Sutton, three for 58. Demarius Thomas had three for 57 and a touchdown. And Philip Lindsay, six receptions for 48 yards as the Broncos fall to the L.A. Rams. Tyler, hit. <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. The Ravens go um, win this one 21 to nothing. Wow. As the Ravens go up to 4-2 and two and the Titans drop to 3-3. Three and three. Joe Flacco had, had, a, had a mild game of 25-37, 238 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. That interception was a, was a uh, pass to... Uh, Willie Sneed that, that got tipped in the air and got caught by the defense. So not really wanting to put on Flacco, but still unfortunate. Uh, on the ground, Alex Collins had 19, 19 carries and 54 yards and two touchdowns. So he, he helped the team immensely as they got in the red zone. Big time. And through the air, uh, Michael Crabtree had a bounce back game from talk about his drops last week. Six receptions, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Willie Sneed had seven receptions and 60 yards as well. So Willie Sneed is beginning to show... He's a big part of this offense. 
Um, and then on, the, on defense, this is, just, this is just worth noting because of the situation, the Ravens put up 11 sacks. They hit, they they took down Mariota 11 times in what is a franchise record and one away from the NFL record. Woo. On the Titans side, Marcus Mariota went 10 for 15, 117 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Marcus Mariota led the team rushing on two carries and 25 yards. Derrick Henry had seven carries and 21 yards. Taj Sharp. Taj? Taj? Ty? Is it Ty or Taj? T-A-J-I-T-A-J-A-E. I think it's Taj. Uh, it sounds like Tahay. Or Tahay. We'll call him Tahay. Tahay Sharp. Two receptions, 33 yards on the team through the air. And uh, Corey Davis had one reception and 24 yards. We got... The Jacksonville Jaguars were emphatically defeated by the Dallas Cowboys in a major upset, 40-7. to uh, Blake Bortles, 15 for 26, 149, a touchdown and an interception. Couldn't get anything going on the ground. T.J. Yeldon leading the team, eight carries for 41 yards. Uh, Keelan Cole led the team in receiving four receptions for 41 yards. D.D. Westbrook also had three for 38 yards and a touchdown. The Cowboys, Dak Prescott, 17 for 27, 183 and two touchdowns. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott had 24 carries for 106 and a touchdown. Dak Prescott also had plenty of running room. 11 carries for 82 yards from a quarterback. One touchdown uh, on the ground for him. Uh, Cole Beasley led the team in receiving nine receptions for 101 yards and two touchdowns as the Dallas Cowboys destroy the Jacksonville Jaguars. Big surprise there. How do you, how as a elite defense, how do you let a quarterback get that many yards? I don't know. I don't know how you give up that many points as an elite defense. But maybe, that too. I mean, that's just me, I guess. And Tyler, last one. Uh, Sunday night game. Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. The Patriots win on a, on a game-winning field goal after the tie. They go up 43-40. to And the Patriots move to 4-2. and And the Chiefs get their first loss of the year. And they are five and one. Patrick Mahomes with 23 for 36, 352 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. So, all in all, a, a very good game by Patrick Mahomes, except for the first half was a bit shaky for him. Yes. Kareem Hunt had 10 carries on the ground for 80 yards, 8.0 average. Nasty. Yeah, yeah, ugly. Through the air, Tyreek Hill had seven receptions, 142 yards, three touchdowns. And Kareem Hunt. Had five receptions, 105 yard, and a touchdown. Put on top of his 80 yards. So big day there by the by the good one-two punch there in Kansas City. Yep. On the Patriots side, Tom Brady does his thing, goes 24 for 35, 340 yards, but only gets one touchdown through the air. It's a big surprise. Um, on the ground though, Tom Brady had a rushing touchdown. So that's what the other one was. That's and, a big one. And Sony Michael had 24 carries. 106 yards and two touchdowns. Sony Michael. Sony Michael has shown up. He's shown up these last two weeks. But I'll still get to. They have a good one-two punch. So, so Sony Michael's more your brown back. But then you got James White, who had six carries and 39 yards, but he also had five receptions, 53 yards through the air. Rob Gronkowski led the team though with three receptions, 97 yards. Julian Edelman got in the end zone with four receptions, 54 yards, and Chris Hogan had four receptions, 78 yards. And Josh Gordon continued to get into this offense a bit with five receptions and 42 yards. Now, can we, before we get into uh, Tyler's top 10 here, can we talk a little bit about this Sunday night football game? Because we got to see a lot of interesting things going on in this game. Um, Tom Brady, first of all, has he arrived? He gets his 200th career win, right? 
Um, has Tom Brady arrived? Is he is he finally is the real has the real Tom Brady finally stood up, um, so to speak? He he's come out. He wins his last two, uh, firing the ball just about all over the place. Runs in, make he's a playmaker. Runs in a touchdown. I mean, is Tom Brady here, or is this is this the Tom Brady kind of? Um, in the same fashion that Peyton Manning was in his final season where he, you know, was was getting by by the skin of his teeth. I mean, is Tom Brady here? Um, I, I think Tom Brady's getting a midseason form, which is scary for the rest of the AFC. It, it's hard to count Tom Brady out. You never should. You, 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 you don't, you did, and um, until, until otherwise. Brady, this isn't Brady's first season when he's had a rough start of the season, and so this is no different. They're going to win the division. They're going. To, they're going to do what the Patriots do, unfortunately. Yeah, and and right now they they're trailing in that division, if I'm not mistaken. The the Dolphins still have control, um, but uh, you gotta love the fact that Tom Brady is is starting to to come around. You gotta love the fact that suddenly out of nowhere the New England Patriots have a rushing attack. That's something that we haven't seen in what five years, six years, at least. Yeah, I mean we haven't seen that in a while, and so now we're seeing this uh, Sony Michael, who I I discounted at the end of the year. Do you remember that at the, yep. at the at draft time? We both sat here going, "This guy is not the guy," and uh, he's really shown up. The offensive line has shown up, which is kind of fun, and and Julian Edelman coming back, I think, was a big a big spark for them. Um, gives Tom Brady a, a, his number one receiver back. Um, doesn't have to rely on Hogan. You know, it's it's tough to be a, a pro level quarterback when you don't have very many weapons. So it, it it's kind of an interesting to thing to watch. Um, Tom Brady come out there and, and do what he does. Now on the flip side of this game, uh, Patrick Mahomes, um, very rough first quarter particularly. Um, yep. his, his first couple of drives were pretty rough. Uh, didn't didn't play uh, well at all. Uh, he had a couple of three and outs. I, is is Patrick Mahomes starting to show weakness? Are we are we starting to is is Patrick Mahomes starting to to come back to earth here? If it had continued, I would agree with that. But I think uh, Patrick Mahomes hit a little bit of a brick wall in the first quarter, and he, he settled down and went back to what Patrick Mahomes does. Do you do you think Patrick Mahomes fears the big lights? Is is he not a big game guy? I don't think that's it. I, I, I think it was his first big game. Maybe he had a little bit of nerves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I, I think that's really what it was. I, but I think last week quarters showed that Patrick Mahomes was able to bunker it down and take care of business. Yeah. I, and, and Patrick Mahomes still put, he put up a 40-burger on him, um, which I, I think was, was pretty spectacular. Um, Patrick Mahomes, is he still, I mean, in spite of this loss, I, is he still in MVP talks? Yes. All right. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you. Now, uh, the last thing about this game, and and kind of uh, just a little off story here. A fan chucks a beer at um, Tyreek Hill after one of the touchdowns he scores. A fan chucks a beer, uh, blasts him in the face with it. Um, That fan is caught on video doing it. Um, And this fan is now banned from Gillette Stadium. to me, I'm just going to throw it out there. Kudos to the New England Patriots. Kudos to Robert Kraft. Um, apparently, this fan—they're finding out who this guy is, and they are pressing charges against him. I, from my understanding, they're pressing charges against him, and he's getting a letter from Gillette Stadium. It's a—it's called a disinvitation letter from Gillette Stadium, wow. disinviting him from any further Patriots games moving forward. 
So uh, for throwing a beer. Now, good for the Patriots. Normally, I would make a sarcastic kind of like keep it classy, boss. Yeah. But, they, but hey, the, the, the team did. Um, the team itself did. I, I don't, I mean, not the fans. I mean, this is this is typical Patriot nonsense fans right here. Am I wrong? I think any fan base can be guilty of this. I mean, I, I think any, here's my thing. You know, you go to a, a different stadium. I, I go to the Lions Stadium, for example, right? I don't think fans truly understand this until they go to another team stadium. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a Vikings fan from Detroit. Do you know how much it sucks to go downtown to Ford Field to watch your boys play against the Detroit Lions? Oh, oh no, I absolutely agree. And that's what I'm saying. I think I, I think you have rowdy and shitty fans in every fan base. Yeah, I don't I don't think they realize what's going on though until they actually physically go to another oh, state and then and then they're outnumbered and then you can kind of see oh yeah well this this is miserable um i was the uh only ravens fan in the entire section i watched the browns and the ravens play <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had a few beers of me too uh, oh boy i might have asked for it a little bit myself yeah yeah i i you know i asked for it a, a little bit you know uh but you know sometimes i remember one and i i've told you this story tyler where i'm walking into the 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 lions game and i've got my adrian peterson jersey on and you know it's a little worn out it's got the screen print numbers on it. It's a little worn and a little banged up. It was an old jersey. It was many years ago. It was uh, the, the second year of, of uh, Christian Ponder being their starter. And uh, the year before, Christian Ponder lit him up like the 4th of July. And uh, there's three junk, three drunk guys outside of uh, Chelly's Bar and Grill there. And they, they're standing there on the uh, at the patio. And they go, oh, nice jersey. Is that a game-worn jersey? <laughs> there's three idiots standing there laughing at me. And I, I go, yeah, it was from last year when you guys were busy making Christian Ponder look like Joe Montana. And they all went, ooh, and they, they, they got real upset about that one. And then one of them threatened to kick my ass. <laughs> I said, whatever. What, what are you going to do? So um, fan gets banned. Do you think that was a harsh, uh, a harsh enough move? Or do you, do you think he should have been banned for like a specific amount of time? Or do you think it should have just been a permanent see you later? I mean that seems to be the way that the entire league seems to go with it. So I think the right call. And and how how I mean how uh, what if the guy was a season ticket holder? That would have been shitty too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that would have well, been. Think about it at a concert. What what happens if uh, Beyonce gets a drink thrown and hits you in the face? Yeah. That person's not going to be there. Again. No, no, they're not coming back. So I mean, very interesting times over there in in New England. Um, he's, he's actually lucky because a lot of times it's the stadium's rule on it, and they say you can't attend any event here anymore. Yeah, yeah, they'll say you're not even welcome here anymore. So they've been they've been uh, disinvited from, from uh, and I'm not sure if it was events or whatever the case may be, but they've been disinvited from, from anything moving forward at Gillette Stadium. So with that, Tyler, it's time for your favorite segment. Oh, yeah. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, for Tyler's Top Ten. Oh, yeah. You're excited, aren't you? This is an interesting one. Get amped up. This is this is a very interesting one. Mm. This is the first little spoiler alert here. Oh, boy. It's the first Tyler's Top Tens since week one. Yep. That does not feature a quarterback. Wow. Really? Yep. No, no quarterback made the top ten. Well, like, I if, mean, I, if I was to uh, put one on there, like an honorable mention, probably Matt Ryan. Yeah, we, a very good game. We didn't have any monster performances from quarterbacks. Not particularly. There's no. a lot of there's a lot of players who 
got all the attention from their quarterback, so they, they all had monster games and just kind right. of overshadowed them off. Yeah, I mean, we were going through the stats. There was, you know, one one big receiver we were like per team that was having big games. So oh yeah, so right to number ten here, and that's going to Minnesota. Minnesota in general. Oh. 11 receptions, 123 yards, one touchdown. Man. Another big game, and as we talked about, six straight 100-yard performances. So, Len, let's talk about Adam Thielen for a minute because I, I think Adam, uh, this guy, he's still just a, a uh, uh, just an anomaly. You know, you, you see a guy like, like Adam Thielen come onto the field, undrafted guy, he walks on, gets, gets picked up by the, by the Vikings, and now this guy, and and I like consistent receivers. That's something Absolutely. I really like. A lot of people like this, oh, wow, look at Julio Jones putting up 180, 200 yards. Man, I'll tell you what. You can have your one-week performance of 200 yards. I'm going to go over here and look at Adam Thielen, and I'm going to see him putting up consistently 100-plus yards and a touchdown. However, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend Julio for a second, though. He's had three of those this year, so he is kind of consistently put a big number. He's right. not in the end zone either. You're right, but you, you get what I'm saying here. I would no, rather I, have a I, guy I consistently it. putting up 100 yards a game and, and getting in the end zone. Adam Thielen is just yeah, – I, I think he is probably – he's probably got the best mechanics out of any receiver in the game right now. I mean, I don't think anybody can, dis- can dispute his, his just fundamentals. And I think that's a right big now, thing. Right now, no, I, I agree. And that's that's what a lot of you know. And you talk to any corner out there, and any interview I hear about Adam Thielen is just fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. He just plays good, sound, fundamental football, and I love that. Adam Thielen, um, you know, and, and this this whole thing, I, I believe it's if if I'm not mistaken, um, I think he's uh, uh, second to have six straight. Um, let's see here. Uh, a few of, of Adam Thielen here. He leads the league with 712 receiving yards. Julio Jones is second with 707. Um, he leads the league with 58 receptions. Uh, the next closest to him is Zach Ertz with 48. Um, the next closest receiver is Michael Thomas with 46. Um, he has 100-plus receiving guard yards in each of the first six games this season. Only Charlie Hennigan has a longer streak of such games to start a season in NFL history Seven straight games with the Houston Oilers to start the 1961 season. Um, he's now just two games shy of tying the all-time single-season NFL record for most consecutive games with 100-plus yards. Um, that was from Calvin Johnson in 2012. He had eight straight. Um, he has the most reception in his, in his team's first six games of the season, um, 58. So he's broken that record. Only two other players had six or more receptions for at least 100 yards in six consecutive games at any point in any season. Uh, That's Isaac Bruce of the Rams in 95. He had six straight. And Demarius Thomas of the Broncos in 2014 had seven straight. Um, He's on pace to finish uh, fifth in NFL history in receiving yards per game, uh, 118.7, with a minimum of 1.875 receptions per team game. And he's on pace to set the single season's Vikings franchise record for most receiving yards per game. So, I mean, Adam Thielen is, to me, he's a monster. He's been an unstoppable force. I love what he's doing. He's, I mean, I don't know if you saw him lay out. Uh, there was a pass that, that was thrown kind of outside, and um, it, was, it was a third and 13. Uh, Kirk Cousins just chucked it. It was, it was way out of reach. Not only did Thielen stretch out to make the catch, it was such a beautiful catch. It was it was perfect. He made the he got in bounds. He got down, um, got the first down, and then 
they weren't sure if it was a it was a catch, so they challenged it and they found that it was a catch. I mean, I could tell it was a catch when it happened, but then they they had to replay it, so they actually burned a timeout from the opposing team as well from the Cardinals. So I mean, huge game, huge game for for Thielen, huge year for Thielen so far, um, and and kudos to the Vikings for finding this guy because I got to point out that Adam Thielen's not making squat. Four years, nineteen point two four million. It was his contract. So before, and they they handed that to him before last season. So so they got this guy on a bargain here. He's he's making this year probably four million dollars. I mean, so so think about that insanity, and think about the fact that Adam Thielen is probably the most prolific receiver in the NFL right now. I'm so stoked for this guy, and and I just want to see him successful. And he's the most humble guy on top of it. I mean, he's just a humble, humble dude. Great hands. He's a super athlete. So kudos to Adam Thielen. So we were going to talk about him later in the show, but I figured while well, you brought him up, let's talk Adam. Yeah, you took care of that. Right? Yeah, you're welcome. But all right, number nine, James Conner. Big game. I've seen him on his list a few times. Big game James. 19 carries, 111 yards, and two touchdowns. This guy continuously makes you just say, Le'Veon who? Yeah, <laughs> I I keep hearing all this Le'Veon talk, uh, Le'Veon Bell talk, and you know what? Frankly, I don't think they need to even pencil him into the the roster. He didn't sign his tenure. You know, what? let him walk, let him go, to trade him away, get something for Le'Veon. You don't need him. James Conner's doing the job. Agree, hundred percent. Yep, guy can catch, guy can run, and and you know he he gets in the end zone. He's an explosive. He's not you know, and he's not Le'Veon explosive. I mean, let, let's no. face facts. But, I mean, the guy the guy gets the ball, and when he gets the ball, he's still productive. He's a very productive runner. The guy's going to break 1,000 this year. Got to love it. I, I agree with this pick. Number eight, going back to Minnesota. Woo. Latavius Murray. Big game. Big game for Latavius. 24 carries, 155 yards, and a touchdown. Now, I'm going to... I'm going to say a couple things about this. Number one, you know, kudos to Latavius Murray for for stepping up and finally giving the Vikings some sort of spark in the run game. Um, I do want to point out that that not only did Latavius have a good game, a, a great game, really, um, but on top of that, I want to give kudos to Mike Zimmer <clears throat> because Mike Zimmer, you know, like I was looking at the the um, stats, the defense wise, and. The Cardinals, I mean, Kirk Cousins didn't have himself a huge game through the air. But Latavius still went out and had a big game. The Cardinals have the 31st rush defense in the league. So for Mike Zimmer to, to take that and exploit that and without Dalvin Cook on the field, because to me, there's no doubt that Dalvin Cook would have done the same thing that Latavius Murray did. But Murray really showed that, I mean, for a guy who's a number two running back, he's probably the best number two running back in the league right now. I, to me, he's a number one type of running back. He's a number one type of guy, but you know, he he showed that he's the the best number two runner in the league right now, and and I think he's just he did such a fantastic job. Kudos to Latavius Murray, and especially he was moving the ball. Um, he had two huge runs in the first half as well. So so kudos to him. He he rocked it. Absolutely, it was a big big game there, and that just goes to showing that that situ at number eight. There's just there's there are a, a few really good performances this week. Oh no doubt. Number seven, going to Kansas City, we talked about it a little bit. Dream Hunt, 185 yards scrimmage and a touchdown. Woo. At 100 yards in the air, another 80 yards on the ground. You know, and Hunt proved to really be that versatile back that can go ground, go air, do everything you need to do. He was a speedster. Um, I saw him in the first quarter take off a couple of times. Um, 
he, he's he's a versatile running back. He's one of the best weapons that Mahomes has. One of the best weapons, and and you know as well as I do that Andy Reid loves to use those change of pace backs. You know he did it with well, Charles with with, with Charles and McCoy. Yep. He he's always done it. Those change of pace kind of guys. Those guys that can catch and run. Um, he likes he likes guys like like a Darren Sproles. He likes guys like a. a you know, like a Jamal Charles that can catch and run. He likes that. He likes those versatile running backs, and he knows how to use them. So, so good, good stuff by Andy Reid as well, keeping that guy in the game. Number six, Albert Wilson. Wow, six receptions, 155 yards, two touchdowns. Had himself a monster game. Hits pay dirt twice. That's what it's all about. Yeah, you got to put up points to win. Yep, and he was there when he was needed. Yes. Uh, Big game, um, gotta love it. Uh, you know, he he uh, Miami needed that that kind of big deal there. That's that's what they needed. They they needed somebody that was going to step up. Devontae Parker has been lackluster at best. Um, Albert Wilson steps steps up, and and uh, right now he has he he he's he had a seventy five yard uh, touchdown. He's he they're they're saying he's the best yards after catch receiver. Um, and, and he gave the, the Dolphins a big spark that they needed to beat a very, very tough Chicago Bears team. Um, I loved watching that. Uh, he, he was just fun to watch yesterday. He was explosive. It was his best game of the year. So, so kudos to Albert Wilson for, for getting it done. Um, fun game to watch with, against the Bears. I loved it. So great job by him. Going to top five, going to Baltimore. The defense. Oh, my gosh. 11 sacks and a blowout victory. Zero points allowed. It was a shutout. Um, 11 sacks is a franchise record and one away from the NFL record. Yes. No sacks in a game. Just The Titans couldn't do anything. They're, they're constantly under arrest. I don't know the exact numbers of times he was he was hurried or hit, but 11 sacks should kind of get you put right in the ballpark of just what, what type of time and what the and what Titans offense it, what type of time the offense didn't have? Now, let's not just talk about the sacks, but let's let's talk about this defense as a whole. As a whole, these guys have been lights out. Um, they're the number one defense in the league, uh, number two against the pass, number three against the rush. They're huge. Um, getting to the quarterback all the time. Um, if you would have told me at the beginning of this year that the Baltimore Ravens defense would be a top defense, I would have told you you were high. They were they were they were top two last year. I, I, I would have told you they were not. You were nuts. Um, but realistically, I, I mean, Baltimore showed up. They they were not the, in a top two defense last year. By the way, they're three. They're number one in points allowed. They're they're not number three. They were number twelve last year. They weren't. I'm looking at it right now. Were you in, in terms of what? Total defense. So yards allowed. Okay. Big whoop. Points allowed is what matters. That, that's not that's it. not all that matters. That's not all that matters. Um. Let's see here. Do, 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 points allowed. Total points allowed. They weren't top three either. Okay. Well, they're turnovers. They're number one turnovers. That's what <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to change it over and over no, again? Because I was going to say in points allowed, they were 27. All, um, well, all offseason, we talk about the, the elite four defenses. Ravens, Vikings, Jaguars, and Rams. And, and that's, what we, that's what we preached on all offseason. And, and that's... Well, not even kind of being the case, so only two, three really doing that. Or they were they were twenty seventh in points per game. I mean, then that's why I'm saying I I don't believe that the Ravens are are or were. I didn't believe at the end at, at 
in the offseason, I didn't believe that they were the top dogs. We were talking about Jags. We were talking about Rams. We were talking about Vikings. We were talking about Eagles. We were talking about those guys. But and, and if you would have told me that we were talking about, we would be talking about guys like Chicago and guys like Baltimore, I would have said, nah, nah, it's crazy talk. I've been calling Ravens the top defense all offseason. And, and if you have, great. I don't remember. But either way, number one defense in the league, they're getting it done through the air. They're getting it done stopping the run. I mean, they're, they're getting it done. Yeah, another another note there is Terrell Suggs actually spent almost fifty percent of the snaps on sidelines. Yeah, and still registered three sacks. Yep, it shows that the depth is there as well. And and I don't know how much of it is on the the Titans O line or how much of it is on you know the Ravens getting it done. Um, I, I guess his O line um, um, was ranked number nine going into this game. Ooh, and so they had no answers. Right. Um, they have uh, six forced fumbles. Uh, I mean. Just a, a huge, huge time for Baltimore. Um, I, lo- I love what they're doing. From a defensive standpoint, it's just it's fantastic. Uh, kudos to them. They're only allowing total offense, uh, lowest amount in the league, 270.8. The closest to them is the Jacksonville Jaguars, still uh, 306.5. So they're, they're leading the league by a, a large margin, 30 yards. Um, they're only one yard behind Jacksonville as far as uh, the passing game, 188. Jacksonville, actually, they're less than that. They're .2 away from Jacksonville. Jacksonville has 187.8. And then rushing-wise, they're number three in the league um, against the rush. The Saints actually lead that, but they're 11 yards away from the Saints. So they're keeping it uh, tight. They, they're, they're keeping their games, uh, uh, the, the opposing teams, uh, to a very low margin. I love this defense, and I love what they're doing. And we'll kind of see ourselves and talk about this during the run of the league, but like Thielen run a sixth straight where the Ravens had him allowed to push down the second half. Yes. Another big thing that no team in history has ever done. Um, I expect at the end this week as as they uh, host the Saints. Yeah, the Drew Brees is is coming. Uh, he's he, you know he's when he rolls into town, everybody gets terrified. The big thing I want to point out about the Saints, as explosive as their offense is. Um, one, one big thing about the New Orleans Saints is that they really, uh, they're not very good uh, running the football already. They're very good against the pass. Baltimore is very, very good against the pass, obviously, number two in the league. So I think that, and they have a lot of depth at corner there. So this upcoming week, it's going to be a rough one in, uh, it's going to be a really rough and tumble game, I think, for it'll, the Saints, too. It'll actually be a really fun one to watch. Yep. It's going to be a, a prolific offense versus a prolific defense. I'm, I'm excited for it. Going to the top four, Saquon Barkley. Saquon, say gone! All the way down at four, believe it or not. Wow. 229 yards scrimmage and a touchdown. That's the key to why he dropped it is the single touchdown. He made the Philadelphia Eagles defense look so stupid all game long. Uh, the guy was, when they were saying he was going to be the most explosive running back out of the draft, I 110% believed it. Um, he's shown up every week, He, he and, and he doesn't care how he shows up. He doesn't care if he's catching the ball. He doesn't care if he's running the ball. He's just having a big game all day. I love Saquon Barkley. He, he just dominated Absolutely, it was just a it was just a monster game. It was the only sh- um shining light that this team had. Yeah, I mean Eli wasn't wasn't playing up to form at all. I and you know what I got to tell you, Saquon Barkley moving forward. I hope everybody that is a fan of the NFC East, I hope everybody in the NFC East that they're taking note because he's going to be the bane of your existence for the next several several years, probably the next decade. If well, he keeps going, how it's going? Him and Elliot both, because Elliot himself had another hundred yard game as well, touchdowns. Like 
that's really the funnest part of, the, of that division right now is those two running backs. Yeah, there's there's nothing else really worth watching in that division at this current moment. I mean, you you occasionally I get to see a fun little trick play out of out of Philadelphia, but I mean beyond that, eh, it's it's whatever. Number three, Tyreek Hill, seven receptions, 142 yards. Three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill keeps proving week after week that he is just a rack monster. Oh, yeah. that That's what he is. I mean, he, he gets the ball and he just takes off. And he's got the speed to do it. I think the Chiefs know he has the speed to do it. Last time, uh, Andy and Andy Reid, uh, again, loves these types of players. He, he loves the guys like Kareem Hunt. He loves the guys like uh, um, the speedster receivers. And he had last time he had one that was really like that was Deshaun Jackson. Um, and Deshaun Jackson was was always good for the deep ball. He was always faster than hell. And um, I got to tell you, I, I like Tyreek Hill. I liked him from the get. And uh, I'm hoping he gets another big, huge, long-term contract. Uh, that, that, he's going to get that. It'd be nice for him to get it. He, and, he's, and he's been proving why he deserves it as well. Yeah. He's, he's fun to watch. Number two, Melvin Gordon. 18 carries, 132 yards, and three touchdowns. Huge game for Melvin. Big um, game, uh, big big yardage, big <clears throat> scoring. Um, Melvin Gordon was a big part of this team and a big reason why they won this game. Yep, uh, he's kind of a, a fun guy. Like he, He's the kind of guy that I always wanted to get behind. When he got drafted originally, I had actually predicted Melvin Gordon. Um, first of all, I had predicted him to get drafted by the Chargers, and then he actually went to the Chargers. The next big thing I predicted for Melvin Gordon was that he was going to be a, a monster running back. And his first year was just bad. It was just bad. And, and then he just came out just pumping on all cylinders. Um, if, you, if you look at his stats, they've been gradually rising through the years. He's kind of a feel-good story. The guy gets, uh, you know, kind of gained some new life in 2016 and then really started hammering out in 2017. Now 2018, he's, he's already at 466 yards on the year, six touchdowns uh, on the ground. Um, he's got 30 receptions, 279, and three touchdowns to the air. So he's got nine touchdowns on the season so far. Um, he's he's a favorite of Philip Rivers target wise, um, and he's he's a favorite. Uh, he's the number one running back over there. He gets to get all those looks. So I mean, Melvin Gordon tearing it up. I love this guy. Number one, I think you know who it is too. Oh boy, Todd Gurley, <sighs> 28 carries, 208 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. So he just continues to hammer it on. I love Todd Gurley, and I hate Todd Gurley. <laughs> yeah, I you know I love Todd Gurley because Todd Gurley comes out and he just jams every week. As a football week. fan, you love Todd Gurley. Yeah, as a football fan, you're you're going, man, Todd freaking Gurley, man, this guy's a beast. He's got 623 yards on the year, nine touchdowns already through six, and he's got two touchdowns through the year. So we're talking eleven touchdowns through the year, twenty-one receptions, two hundred forty-seven yards. I love Todd Gurley, and I also hate Todd Gurley. And the reason I hate Todd Gurley is because basically your brother. I I really hate Todd Gurley because, I mean, if Todd Gurley walked in the room, I would expect your brother to treat him like like Gigi Allen fans treat Gigi Allen, where he's just on his knees, just totally just meat in his mouth, just doing his thing. Your brother loves, loves, loves Todd Gurley. And, Aaron, I know you listen to the show – I know you you love Todd Gurley, but I freaking hate the guy. The guy is it, it, even when we're playing Madden. Even when we you know we all got our Madden league together. Even when we're playing Madden, it's Todd Gurley throws the ball to Todd Gurley and then runs 
a Todd Gurley runs 80 yards for a touchdown for Todd Gurley. Um, the whole Rams offense basically runs through Todd Gurley. We know Jared Goff is, is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. I don't think Goff is a great quarterback. I think he's just a guy that's in a great system. And I think Todd Gurley opens up a lot more for him, though. Um, 208 yards. He, he kept the team afloat this whole game. It was his doing. Um, Jared Goff didn't come to play against that Denver Broncos defense, but Todd Gurley did. So kudos to him. Uh, he's definitely a good selection. He's the, he is the number one selection this week, no doubt. Now, if Todd Gurley were to be traded to the Vikings, I expect you to also treat him like a certain type of royalty to watch in the room. I would, but I, <laughs> I, I, don't know, I don't know that I would treat him that royally. Um, now, Tyler, it's, um, it's time. Like I said last time, I love this part. You love this part because I just crap on everybody, don't you? Well, you, you make light. You make light of all the good spots, but you got to talk about the ones who uh, came up uh, short. <laughs> is that is that what we're calling it? Trying to be nice. You're trying to be nice. I I guess. Um, this is also known as Raytown's Forgotten Fun. All right. You excited? Always. Yeah, I knew you are. All right, so I'm going to kick this one off with um, an honorable mention because you didn't have any, but I am going to have an honorable mention for you. Um, honorable mention number one goes to – drum roll, please. Yep. Okay. Uh, I will give my own drum roll. Uh, it goes to Carlos Hyde. Um, just a bad game. Um, Carlos Hyde – 14 carries, only manages 34 yards and a 2.4 average. Um, he was outshined by Duke Johnson on two carries. Duke Johnson, two carries for 36 yards, and Nick Chubb had three carries for 25. Um, both of them had better averages than Carlos Hyde. Um, Carlos Hyde just craps the bet against the, the L.A. Chargers. Now, understanding the Chargers, they do have a number 12 rush defense in the league, but still they're very middle of the road. If you can't put up more than, than 50 yards on the Chargers, there's a problem. So um, bad form for old uh, uh, Carlos Hyde, but he wasn't as bad as my top five, at least in my humble opinion. Um, number five, Tyler, the Patriots and the Chiefs defenses. From last night's Sunday night football game. 43 to 40. Yep, 83. offenses put up 40 points. 83 points scored throughout the entire game altogether. Um, both defenses just looked abysmal. Uh, nobody could stop anybody. Um, it was just bad. It was just bad. I mean, it was a fun game to watch. I mean, you got to see a lot of offense, a lot of, a lot of high-scoring stuff. You got to see Tyreek Hill going ham. You got to see a beer thrown in a guy's face. I mean, you, you got to see, you know, Tom Brady kind of show up a little bit. You got to see a little bit of everything inside yeah. the defense. You got to see Sony Michael come around. You got to see that a little bit. But did you see good defense? No, you didn't see good no. defense. And the, the Kansas City Chiefs defense has just been miserable all year. And so has the Patriots defense. Uh, it has not been good other than a game against Miami. So, I mean, the, the defenses uh, are definitely getting my big um, slam here today. Uh, number four, Derek Carr. 23 for 31, 142 yards. Um, Rough day. Just a bad day. And and right now, I, I manages he manages to only allow his team to put up three points on the day. Um, they don't. How many times did he throw the ball? Twenty or 31 times. Yeah, you gotta do better than that. He completed 23 passes, 
Um, just a bad day all around. Nobody, nobody got anything going. Not even Marshawn Lynch got anything going. But he didn't do as bad as Carlos Hyde did. But Derek Carr, just a bad day. Doesn't break 200 um, against really a, a shoddy Seattle defense. I mean, they haven't been um, that great. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know what the hell is going on in Oakland. I mean, Derek Carr has gone from top dog to almost nothing in the last several weeks. And and we got to point out, he only put up 142 yards against a Seattle defense that is ranked number 30 against the pass on top of it. So, boo to you, Derek Carr. Derek Carr, he came in expected to be the uh, next big thing, and he's, he's not doing that. They nowhere close. No, not even close. Um, number three, Josh Allen. Uh, ten receptions, or I'm sorry, ten passes for seven. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ, ten completions on seventeen attempts for 84 yards. Uh, Josh Allen, uh, he got hurt about midway through this game, but the fact that he only had 84 yards moving forward, another bad day for Josh Allen through the air. Nate Peterman came in, didn't do much better. Um, he went six for 12 for a little over 60, but at least Nate Peterman had a touchdown. Josh Allen fails to find the end zone. Another bad day for him. Um, so he makes number three on this list. Number two, the entire Jacksonville Jaguars team. Um, the defense looked bad. The offense looked bad. It, it wasn't good. For the Jags to be lit up by a an awful, awful, I mean, I'm just straight up awful Dallas Cowboys team. Horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible day. They should be ashamed of themselves. A, a Dallas Cowboys offense that is ranked 29th in the league, and, and you are the number two passing team in the league, and you get slammed by the Dallas Cowboys. Terrible. Um, offensively, they didn't do much better. Um, Blake Bortles had a bad game. TJ Yeldon had eight carries for 41 yards. They only scored seven points. Um, the defense gave up 40 how do you let the Dallas Cowboys light you up for 40 points? A friend, friend of ours, uh, Pat, Patrick, he's a big Dallas fan. He, he, normally he'd be excited, like, oh, look at Dallas go. We'd like, what the hell is this? Yeah, they say, What's going on here? What, did Aikman and Irvin come back from the dead? Is that what <laughs> right. we're seeing? That's, that's what they looked like. Yeah, I mean, it was it was ridiculous. And, and Ezekiel Elliott was looking like Emmett Smith. I mean, we just a spanking, just an absolute spanking. Um, but number one, number one, Tyler, you're going to love this. You ready? Yep. Um, we're looking at the Tennessee Titans offense. Ooh. I'm I'm not gonna. I I agree not throwing their defense because they um despite everything they held Baltimore to 21 points, but offensively, big. Just a bad. Yeah, it was it was rough. That's okay. Jordan's gonna yell, but that'll be okay. Uh, the Tennessee Titans offense was miserable. Mariota, 10 for 15 for 117 yards. Um, just shellacked. Uh, 11 of dropbacks, you don't even get a playoff. Yeah. That, that's 11 snaps right there. Um, and that's not, the, that's not even counting all, all the hits, the knocks, the rushes. Yep. The offensive line did no favor. And I'm not even going to wait with the receivers at too much fault because there was no chance for them to get the ball. Yeah, Derrick Henry, 7 carries for 21 yards. I mean, to Hay Sharp led the team with two receptions for 33. I mean, just a bad day all around for the Tennessee Titans offense as the Ravens just basically had their way with them. I mean, they 
they bent him over with and, and said, "Bite the pillow, we're going in dry." I mean, it was bad. Rich Gannon was uh, broadcasting the game. He even, he even let out a, "I'm glad I'm not that quarterback right now." Yeah, no, and I, it, it was ugly, just ugly. I, I saw the highlights and and I I was just amazed by what I was seeing. So uh, once again, to the um, to the Tennessee Titans. That's to you. Um, so. Uh, with that, that is uh, Freytown's Forgetful 5. And, uh, Tyler, I think we're going to be uh, taking a quick break. We're going to get a word from our sponsors. And, uh, and then we'll come back with some news around the league. We're going to come back with a little, uh, few predictions. And uh, we'll be right back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's your time massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. And welcome back to the Outside Blitz. It's Tob. I am your host, Tyler Dean. The tenacious Tyler Dean. And I'm here with Scotty Freytown. The fabulous one, baby. And uh, Tyler, we've got some stuff around the league. A um, couple of injuries came up this week. We got a, a little bit of an injury report here. A couple, yeah. Yeah, a couple. Nothing major. Not not like we've seen in recent weeks, though. I'd say, I'm kind of happy to, to not see so many injuries. Well, some were looking more serious than at first, but are starting to calm down a little bit. So it's, it's good news. Yeah, one, one was looking scary, though, and got even worse. Uh, Mike Hughes out for the season for the Vikings. Torn ACL. Um, number one pick for the Vikings this past draft. Uh, I mean... How how much does this affect that Vikings defense at this point? Well, you're you're more the Vikings expert. Um, what's his uh, per, uh, production been? Well, uh, Mike Hughes. So he's more of a slot corner that the Vikings have been using him as. Um, it's gonna allow. What this is, it's good and it's bad. On one end, Mike Hughes. To me, I don't think he was. He I did. I didn't think he was worth the first round selection. Um, and he he's been okay. He hasn't been great. He's been more of a, a kind of a depth guy. Really, I don't. I, and, and really, with, with how the Vikings played yesterday, I understand they're taking on a really bad Cardinals team. Let's, let's just face that fact. But with how they played yesterday and how they played the week before, the Vikings defense has actually been pretty good in the last couple of weeks. And uh, Mike Hughes, I mean, he got torched against uh, um, St. Louis or L.A. or whatever the hell they're calling themselves these days. They, they got torched against the Rams. He got, he, he's had one pick on the year. He's had one touchdown. Um I mean, I like the guy. I think he's more of a depth guy than anything else. Um, it's going to allow for a little more playing time for Mackenzie Alexander, a guy who who is a, a far better tackler than Hughes is. Um, I don't think Mackenzie Alexander is a ball hawk the way that that uh, Hughes is, but I, I think that Mackenzie's a better tackler. And and really, the defense played better after after Hughes went out. They played at a very high level. I think Mackenzie Alexander has a better understanding of this defense. And uh, I, I mean, the team as a whole was was great. So, but um, it, it's still a loss from strictly a depth standpoint. The Vikings don't have a whole lot of depth at at corner um, after Hughes, which is 
something that people don't really see. And like, depth is is huge for defense to really be uh, lights out because uh, your your stars do not play a hundred percent of snaps or anything really close to it. So you, you need to have depth to maintain a high level defense. Right, and um, now the Vikings, you know, they're going to be sort of in the market, I think, for for a, a corner. At this point, you know they lost Terrence Newman in the off season for to just retirement. Um, they're they're saying that that uh, uh, they're saying that they're going to miss him, but you know what? I I see the Vikings. I mean, this last game, even without him, they held Arizona. Here's an interesting stat: they held Arizona 0 for 10 outings on third downs. Wow! So I mean, the, the fact that they stopped him on third down 0 for 10 that's huge. Um, it's like I said, he provided depth, but he, he didn't he didn't provide a huge spark or anything like that. Um, the Vikings are, are going to go out and, and look to replace him. I'm willing to bet good money. Um, it, it's just a depth guy. That's that's I think the the big thing is the depth. Um, he's he's not to me worth a first rounder. I, I don't think he was worth a first rounder when they when they picked him up, and uh, I, I don't think he's worth a, a first rounder now. So. I mean, ultimately, I think they'll live. I think life goes on, you know? Yeah. I, I really I do. Um, they still have Xavier Rhodes on the field. Uh, Marcus Sherrills is still around. He's still a guy. Uh, Holton Hill is is going to be the guy that winds up moving up in the depth chart a little bit. Uh, Trey Waynes is still around. He's been dealing with, like, a slight injury bug, but he's been around. And, and something interesting yesterday that kind of – you know, caught my eye as well is in that secondary. They were playing without Andrew Sandeo, and they still did very well. Um, and, and even Anthony Harris, a guy who usually plays free safety, got the start at strong safety. Well, Georgia Loka technically got the start at strong safety, but Anthony Harris moved to free uh, strong safety at one point, and he came up with an interception. So, I mean, the secondary is going to miss him, but I think they're going to get it together. I think Holton Hill could be all right, and they're saying Holton Hill is is a beast anyway from by all counts. So I, I kind of like it. I, I think this will be a, a pretty exciting um, – it'll be still be, be an exciting defense to watch uh, moving forward. I agree. I, I, I think it, it, it hurts. I mean, especially with your first-round pick, but he wasn't necessarily the uh, every-down starter, so it's not going right. to be a massive hit. He, he's not Xavier Rhodes. You know, he's not, he's not developing like Xavier Rhodes, um, and, and I, I'm okay with him being uh, – like I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but I'm, I'm not – Super upset about him being gone either. So um, we also, you had a, a little bomb scare there. Ravens' Alex Lewis carted off the field on a backboard there. Um, they say he's doing fine. Yeah, and at the time it looked really scary. Um, whenever a guy gets carted off, um, especially, uh, and it was a hit that wasn't really that bad. It was a neck injury. And, of course, um, whenever you, whenever, everyone likes to draw comparisons of other injuries, and they're going, well, this hit was this was a very similar hardly hit injury that we had last year with uh with Ryan Shazier. Yeah. That's a rare hip injury. Um but anytime you get it carted off, it's scary. Uh he, he rose his arm as he's being carted off to kinda of let his team know he's doing okay. But uh as far as impact, uh, the very next play, um, right right the replacement was was a rookie fifth rounder um coming mm-hmm. into the game. So a little, little bit of weakness there and uh very first play that that um he was out um they rushed right through and, and got to Joe b- before he could even finish his drop back. Yeah, but uh, but after that they they uh they tightened things up and, and fixed it. So and, and now he has a week to really get get himself into play and 
But now they're saying that Alex Lewis may also be coming back this week. So yes. it, 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 there's a lot of question marks there. Alex Lewis wasn't really late in the Wolden fire, but he, he knows his, he knows the team well, and that's kind of that's kind of big. He's playing well enough to be a starter. I think that's the the big factor there. Yeah. Um. And and you know, like it, it was crazy. He went to the hospital that night, flew home with the team. Um. They say they don't see any neurological stuff going on, so he actually might be okay. And like you said, they're talking about him playing in week seven, which I mean, that's that's great news for them. So. Excellent news for the Ravens on a little uh, bomb scare there. Um, now let's talk Josh Allen. Um, the the quarterback wagon over in Buffalo um, is now even worse. Um, <laughs> if, if, if it could get any worse, Josh Allen out with an elbow injury. Um, Nate Peterman had to come in, which we know is just an embarrassment. Uh how how badly does this kill the Buffalo Bills? I mean, is it is it really killing them? I'm going to steal a quote from uh, Game of Thrones really quick. Uh, you can't kill; it's already dead. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the Buffalo Bills are indeed danger on this year. Yeah, they had a couple of wins against teams they shouldn't have won, like the Titans and the Vikings. But uh, the Bills aren't going to go anywhere this year. Really, what this really hurts is uh, the the uh, development of Josh Allen. Yes. I think it, it hurts the development of Josh Allen. We have to remember, and we were talking about this last week. Um, now, here's here's something that that kind of came up. So last week, Derek Anderson was signed by the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Oh boy. And I brought up Derek Anderson possibly being a starter in Buffalo, and you told me I was crazy. Oh boy. Um, Nate Peterman has started to fall apart. Um, the rumor is, and the report is, that um, Derek Anderson is inactive and the Buffalo Bills don't want him to play. They just want him to mentor Josh Allen. Um, but at this point in time, if you're the Buffalo Bills and you're seeing your all-star first-round pick putting up you know, 82 yards and 89 yards and you know, really not... You know, panning out, and and we had this feeling moving into the the season. You and I were talking about in the draft that Josh Allen was just not an accurate quarterback, and he was a running quarterback. And running quarterbacks don't survive in the NFL, and unless they develop and unless they they adapt to throwing out of the pocket. We we talked about this at length. I think we, I think we said it about RG three. We've said it about several other quarterbacks in this league, and we've seen a lot of running quarterbacks adapt. Guys like Cam Newton and so on and so forth. Um, Josh Allen, um, at this point, uh, has you know obviously he's going to have to adapt. He's playing horrible ball. Let's let's face that fact. He's he's playing horrible football, and now you've got Derek Anderson, a guy who at one point when he was with the Cleveland Browns was a playoff quarterback. Do yeah. you, are you looking at Derek Anderson and saying, "Oh crap, we have to start Derek Anderson"? If Allen can't go, it's definitely a possibility. I mean, are you going to start Nate Peterman over Derek Anderson at that point? I mean, are you really going to make that move? I, I wouldn't start Nate Peterman over a high school quarterback. You might be right on that. I mean, he's just but bad. Here's where I'm going to take a turn on this. Oh, boy. Um, and, Ozzy, if you're listening, mm. I know you're not. Um, last Cinderella story. Give the Bills a second-round pick in RG3. In, in, in return for Sean McCoy. Sign it. Oh, jeez. Oh, gosh. Um, but, yeah, but no, in all seriousness, even though I think that would be a great trade. Um, 
Are I'm going to return a question back to you. Are the Bills regretting trading away AJ McCarron? Oh, gee, I think they they are regretting it at this point. I, I think they are, uh, but I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is just, the, the cold quarterback position for the Bills has just been complete yeah, disarray. It's it is it's it's just the biggest mess I think of the season because everybody was talking about Josh Allen. I mean. A lot of folks were saying Josh Allen was the best quarterback to come out of the draft. Just like a lot of people were saying Josh Rosen was the best quarterback to come out of the draft. And those two have been the worst of the bunch. And you guess who you guess who uh guess who didn't think that Josh Allen was gonna be the best come out of the draft? Me and you. Yeah, we didn't. And we knew he was probably gonna be the worst of the bunch. I thought Rosen would be better. I, yeah, I expected a little a lot more out of Josh Rosen, but you know, over time I think Rosen he needs a lot more pieces. He's gonna need more weapons, and I think he needs a different scheme to be successful. I don't think he's gonna be successful in the current scheme over in Arizona, but I guess that's neither here nor there. Um, Josh Allen is out. Nate Peterman, I don't think should be started. I think the, if you're Buffalo, you're looking at Derek Anderson or you're looking to sign somebody. But I mean, Derek Anderson should be your guy right now. I, I don't, I don't see why you would start anybody else at this point. I agree. Uh, yeah, you. you that, I mean, you got to put Josh Allen there if he's healthy. But. Yeah, I mean, I think you do. I think you put a, a number one guy there. But I mean, it was just a mess. And then last but not least, we had another injury, um, a pretty big one, actually, for the Rams. Cooper Cup, man, after after that monster game he had against the Vikings, uh, Cooper Cup goes down. Um, how badly does this kill the Rams? It does and it doesn't. So we were just talking about uh, a couple weeks ago that the Rams were uh, they had 300-yard receivers. Yeah. This, this team has plenty of weapons, and – I think that just means that Cooks and Woods are going to have to pick up the slack a little bit more, and Todd Gurley. Yeah, I think get a little bit more of the air. I think one thing about the the cup injury is like you know they're they're saying first of all you know um, bad form by Darian Stewart with that horse collar and the face mask. Um, that's a, that's the type of thing where Darian Stewart should be fine. And he should be, you know, suspended or whatever. He needs to see some sort of consequences because it's that type of crap hurting players. It, it's unacceptable to me. And maybe it's just me. Cup, you know, he. It's a knee injury. They say, you know, I thought, you know, with the way his his leg was, um, you know, kind of out there a little bit. I thought for sure that he was going to have himself a a like ankle injury. Turns out it's his knee. Um, he got held out for the most part in the second half, but I got to tell you with Cooper cup, he, he played, I think he still played six plays in the second half. So I guess it shows you how nutsy that guy is. Cause he, he went out there and, and he's listed as questionable at this point, obviously. Um, and, and the fact that he's listed as questionable after getting, um, his yeah, after yeah, after after that. I mean, it's not as bad as the Eifert injury. I don't think anything at this point can be as bad as the Eifert injury. But um, you know, Darian Stewart, I, I that guy should be, you know, suffering some sort of uh uh consequences. Well out of bounds. A horse collar tacker, grabbing the, the face mask, and you know, Cup Cup has has been getting a little bit banged up anyway. He had a concussion last week. No, um, the concussion was close. No, 
No. They both had concussions. Yep. Coach definitely had a concussion. He had a concussion, and in, in, um, he had a concussion, and then he he got hurt in week six as well. Um, in week five, he got a concussion. So, um, but so before before you transition over, speaking of players who could or should have gotten fined or suspended, I want to just jump into the other one that we were already going to talk about, and that's Vontaze Perfect. <coughs> oh yeah. Um, that hit he had Antonio Brown to me looked like he's like he took it as an opportunity to get a nasty hit on the top receiver. Yeah, that was that was similar um, to last year. Uh, what's his face from Chicago? Um, and I hate using that term uh, when I'm when I'm talking my football. Uh, we we got to see you know hits like that go on and and it was it was nasty. You could tell it like I, I don't think it was as nasty as as some of the hits we saw you know, in the past as far as the helmet-to-helmet shots. But you could tell he was leading with the crown of the head. A penalty should have been called. And he got away with it. That's another thing. He got away with it. You know, and, and this is another issue of solidarity that you have to, you know, have with these referees. Um, these referees aren't aren't calling all these games the same way, and certain guys are getting away with certain things. It's it's not okay. It's not okay at all. Um, bad form. Bad, bad form by Vontae's perfect. Now, Who's, um, here, here, here's a question though: mm-hmm. Are we at a point to where are can we deem Vontae's perfect to be a, a dirty player? Oh, he are was deemed there? a dirty player last year. It's like he went to the, he went to the school of James Harrison, um, got four and became the teacher. Yeah, he he's out James there. Harrison's been known to be the kind of player. Vontae's perfect is just doing it's almost every other week. You hear his name and, come up in something. In the league, you hear these types of names, and, and every time they all have the same the same response. Well, this league's getting soft. Well, that's great, but you just gave a guy a concussion, you know. And and uh, it it just it wasn't an acceptable hit. It should have been called. It didn't get called. Um, I've seen lesser hits get called, so uh, that's kind of ridiculous. Um, a couple other injuries around the league while we're at it. Kelvin Ridley and Muhammad Sanu both got hurt this week. Um, Ridley, uh, I mean, Sanu got hurt with his hip. Ridley got hurt with his ankle. Uh, Ridley's walking around fine. He says it's not serious, but but he does have a bone bruise on the ankle. Uh, Sanu, on the other hand, he's had a hip injury for a while now, and it's it got re-aggravated this past week. Uh, I mean, Justin Hardy would be the next man up for him. So, I mean, and I don't think Justin Hardy's that bad, to be honest with you. No. Um, so he's the next man up. Uh, so that's that's going to be a kind of a tough one. Hopefully, I mean Ridley should be fine for next week. He's he's listed as probable. Um, Sanu, on the other hand, it, it looks like uh, Justin Hardy may be the next man up. Uh, Quincy Inunua, he he got hurt. Um, he he was in a walking boot. He had an ankle injury on Sunday. Um, if it turns out to be serious, Robbie Robbie Anderson and Jermaine Curse uh, become the the number one and two guys uh, over there in uh, New York. So and, and frankly, Robbie Anderson, for a guy who's listed as the number two on the Jeff depth chart, has been more of a number one than Anunwa has uh, this season so far. Anyway, Absolutely. so uh, Amari Cooper, he uh, he's lucky that they have the bye. He got a concussion. Um, he left on Sunday. Uh, just a, a nasty hit. Baker Mayfield has a sore ankle. Um, minor. He, he, he slipped on the uh, first down marker. Yep. Yep. So I mean, it, he'll be out. He won't be out. He's not going to miss any time. Uh, just says it's minor. Yeah, he says he has a sore ankle. That's about it. Um, Ryan Tannehill is another one we were talking about. Um, he he was on the injury list going in, uh, and and now Brock Was Brock Osweiler went out and had himself actually a decent game. 
Uh, Tannehill, Tannehill has a shoulder injury. Um, it's still being monitored. Ryan Grant of the Colts also is still uh, with, and with T.Y. Hilton out, there's kind of a big, big loss for, for the Colts here. He had an ankle injury, lots of ankle injuries this year. Uh, he had an ankle injury, which um, just uh, it basically means that Chester Rogers takes over um, if he if he gets picked up. Uh, so they they were they were actually talking about uh, moving him to the number one. So that's your your injuries for the week. It, it, a lot of ankle injuries though. That's crazy. Yeah. A lot a lot of ankles. People just getting their legs snapped and everything like that. that that's that's a wild one. Um, so Tyler, we already talked about this one. And and I want to talk about it some more because we were talking about it. The Ravens defense through six. Are they the best defense in the NFL? Stats suggest yes. Right now, yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Um, other top defenses, uh, the Jaguars, they allowed a 40 spot this week. Um, the Ravens' real only blemish is that week two performance against the Bengals. Yep. Um, they, they had a rough first half. And they, they calmed down second half and got back in business. Um, the, the Vikings have been hot and cold. Yeah, they, they were good this week. They were good last week, but before that, they were really rough. And and then the Rams have been kind of hot and cold as well. Yes, I agree. They they, they gave up a, a strong amount of points in, in certain games. I I mean, is this – now, Now right now, in what I see, I, I see a Ravens defense that's number two against the rush, number three against the pass, right? Yep. Uh, is this defense rivaling your vaunted – uh, Ravens defense of yesteryear. In the first part of the season, yes, but uh, it's a still a long season. Um, yeah, I, I believe that they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna cool down this um, unprecedented uh, no touchdowns in the second half through six games, which is equivalent to three full games worth. Um, that that can't that that's not something that is uh, sustainable. No, I don't think it is. Um, even if you gave gave uh. You you got an all star team of all the best defenders in 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 the, in the history of the game in their youth. Um, at one point in sixteen games, you're going to allow a score in the second half. <laughs> yes, it, 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 it's unheard of. It's not going to last forever. I, I I like I said, I think it ends this week when when uh, Drew Brees comes to town. And and Breezy, I think, is going to come to town and start firing the ball out. But I I mean, to be honest with you, I I'm not even a Ravens fan just because of you. But I, I hope to see that the, the Ravens actually come out and, and continue this, this good defensive uh, front that they've got going on. I, I really enjoy seeing that. Now, good defensive fronts that have turned bad, um, the Jags. What's happening in Jacksonville? Yeah, there, there's something weird going on there, and nobody seems to know what. Uh, the Jags right now are... Uh, they they just gave up a forty burger to to the Dallas Cowboys here. Now I, I, what I'm gonna say though, so going into last season, not nobody nor their brother nor their mother predicted Jacksonville Jaguars to have the type of season and record that they did. Right. They were kind of projected to be a bottom feeder. Right. So is the Jacksonville Jaguars defense a one season and done lucky season? I, I don't know if it's a one and done because they're still sitting atop. You know, statistically, they're sitting atop the league. Um, with the with the exception of Baltimore, they're they're trailing right behind Baltimore in overall defense. I, I think the the problem for for Jacksonville, and and really could very well be the play of the offense. Um, the offense really didn't get anything going against uh, Dallas. And that and that's and that's a worthy thing to talk about because uh, no matter how good defense is, if the if the defense is forced to be on the field. 
for twice as long as they should be. They're going to get They're going to get tired no yeah. matter how great they are. Yeah. And the Jacksonville offense is horrid. Yeah, and, and Blake Bortles has been giving up lots of uh, interceptions. He's been turning that ball over. Um, Blake Bortles has not looked good this year, uh, he, except for with the exception of one touchdown or one game where he had four touchdowns. Uh, Blake Bortles did not has not looked very good. He he's I haven't been impressed. He's very um, spotty. Uh, I mean, and and he can't really keep his offense on the field. I mean, if you look at at his games, okay, you know he he took on the Chiefs and he had one touchdown for four interceptions. He took on the Jets. He had an R8 game. He had 388 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Uh, against the Titans, he didn't do anything. Against the Patriots, that was his fourth touchdown game. He threw an interception in that one, 111 yards. Uh, against the Giants, 176 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Dallas, 149, a touchdown, and a pick. When you're not breaking 200 yards, you know I, I don't understand how you expect your football team to win. Blake Bortles didn't play good ball. He, he had, Right now, he has nine touchdowns and eight interceptions on the year. He's got an 81.1 rating. Um, he's got over a thousand yards and, and, you know, one thing I do want to point out is the amount in which the Jacksonville Jaguars are throwing the football in spite of the fact that they've lost receivers this season. They lost Marquise Lee. They lost Allen Robinson. They lost Allen Hearns. They don't have that, that set group yet. They're still firing the ball all over the field. I don't understand. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And then they can't keep their offense on the field. And so their defense gets tired. The, the, They've become kind of a middling team because they don't have a good receiving core, I think, and and uh, like they used to have, but they're still trying to run the same offense. So things get a little ugly there. They don't have a playmaker on offense that, that is a, a strong receiver. Does Jacksonville win the division? Uh, that, that's a good question. And, and you know, Because the Colts haven't looked good. Houston's not looking great. Tennessee's hit or miss. I think they still win the division. I think they're going to keep it. It's going to be real close. I don't think. I don't think it's going to be, you know, anything uh, um, spectacular. I mean, they they could go um, maybe nine and seven, ten and six, and which is a far cry from what we were saying. I mean, right now you have three teams in this division that are three and three, and the Texans are on a three-game win streak. Is this the worst division in football? Quite possibly. As far as potential, well, worst division in football, I'm still going to say is the, is the AFC East, just because Bills, Miami, Jets aren't much. But as far as a uh, division winner, do you, do you envision this division having the uh, weakest division winner in terms of record? I don't know that I do. Um, <clears throat> right now, I mean, you're, the NFC East is is right on their coattails as well. Yep. Redskins are three and two. Cowboys are three and three. Eagles are three and three. Giants are one and five. Then you go over to the AFC South, and you got Titans three and three, the Texans Titans three and three, the Jags three and three, and then you got the Colts one and five. So I mean, you you've got them right down. I mean, they're they're ex, they're identical. You know, I I don't know that they're the worst division in football because you still have teams with you know combined nine wins. Um, NFC West and and the NFC North is in the same position right now. Bears are three and two. Vikings are three two and one. Packers are two two and one. Lions are two, three, uh, two and three. So I mean, the NFC North isn't looking very hot right now. And and another, you know, it, even though they have the Rams there, look at the NFC West. Talk about an awful division. Cardinals one and five, 49ers one and four, Seahawks three and three, Rams are six and out. The Rams are the only thing that keeps that division looking any re- degree of relevant whatsoever. So, I mean, 
right now, worst division in football, I'd probably say, is the the NFC West. But, uh, you know, the, the AFC South, it could be, wind up being the worst division. I think the Jags have a little bit more that they're going to have to show uh, offensively to try and keep their defense, you know, looking strong. Um, <clears throat> right now, the Titans, however, have a better defense, technically, than the Jaguars from just a points against standpoint. The Titans have only allowed 107 points, whereas the Jags have uh, uh, allowed 126. A lot of questions at the division. A lot of questions. I, I believe the Jags still take the division, but it's going to be a close one. <clears throat> Speaking of bad divisions and bad records and everything, though, let's talk the Giants. More uh, specifically, Eli Manning. Well, before we walk away from, from that division and before we walk away from the Jags, we did have a signing. Um, Eric Flowers did get signed by the Jags. Okay. And and uh, he, he gets dropped by your Giants that we were, you were just about to bring up. He gets signed by the Jaguars. <clears throat> um, Jaguars do have some issues with their O-line. Uh, does Eric Flowers start? So here's my head scratcher. Um, he gets cut from a team that's already not a great defense. Offense. Yeah. Offensive tackle. Yeah, or already not a great offense. Can you really do much for a Jacksonville team that also is not I mean, there's, there's got to be something going on with them, maybe. Or I mean, maybe he's a former first rounder. Um, they they uh, so here here's what what went on here. So Josh Wells, who is their starting left tackle, um, he has a groin injury. He heads to IR, right? Um, so he after about eight weeks, he's he's able to come back. Uh, and then Cam Robinson got a torn ACL in week two. So so. He was their starter originally, and he went down. Josh Wells started for the last four weeks. Now he's down. Flowers got cut by the Giants uh, this past Tuesday. So, I, I mean, under a week later, he got re-signed. I mean, the guy went number nine overall in the draft. So, I mean, like, uh, it makes you wonder what's going on here. Um, he, he's given up the most total QB pressures um, <laughs> by anybody since he's been drafted. Oh, boy. So I don't know that it, it – I mean, it's a little bit of desperation, I guess. Um, I, I don't expect him to become a monster. I don't expect him to become an immediate starter. But, um, you know, I did, does, does he become uh, – do you think he becomes an all-star? We'll start there. No, I don't, I don't think he's going he's gonna to flip-flop what he's been doing. I think that he'll just be a uh... – Desperate replacement for what they've had going on injury-wise. Yeah, and uh, to me, here's here's my thing. If you can't survive in the Pat Shermer system, there's something wrong with you, not the system. Okay, Pat Shermer is arguably the best offensive coordinator in the game, and and right now Pat Shermer took over that that uh, uh, look. And you can you can sigh all you want. But the fact of the matter is, the guy took Case Keenum to an NFC Championship game. I, I understand that, but I don't like those bars calling the best court, especially when the team he's behind right now is looking miserable. Well, they're looking miserable, but you got to understand that they're, you know, think about number one, all the parts that they have, like going out the door. Let's start with that. And then you also have Eli Manning, who has, he's looked washed up. Eli Manning has looked bad. He's looked miserable. He's, he has. He's looked horrible. And and you know, you Eric Flowers looked like crap. If you can't survive in the the Pat Shermer system, there's a problem here. And and <clears throat> that brings us now to your boy Eli Manning, who who 
I mean, the guy is he's he looks like he's past his prime. The guy's what, 37 years old? He looks way past his prime. He looks like he's ready to retire and go home. I agree. He doesn't he doesn't look like he's having fun anymore either. No, nobody is over there. I mean, why, how could you have fun over there? You're getting the hell beat out of you. The only guy doing anything is Saquon Barkley, who's surprisingly doing something with a crappy O-line. I can only imagine how Saquon would look with, with a great O-line. Like Pittsburgh? Yeah. I mean, that guy would be a monster over there. So I, I'm, I, I like Saquon Barkley, but he's the only thing the Giants really have going for him. Eli Manning, just he looks washed up. He looks tired. He looks banged up. And, and I'd be banged up, too. With with uh, uh, you know the O line giving up as many sacks and beatings as uh, they have been, you know the, if the Giants are smart, they're gonna. I mean, Eli Manning have two. Eli Manning has two years on his deal. So, say he gets through this year. He's thirty seven years old. You know he's going out the door soon. Let him finish out this year. Use him as trade bait. Get the hell rid of him. And move forward. You you got Justin Herbert entering the draft. You have got the number. I mean, they could easily draft the the best quarterback in this in the league or in the the college football coming out of college, fresh out of the deal. Guy's got a great arm. He's better than Eli. I think I think Justin Herbert is going to translate better than Eli Manning ever did. <clears throat> and you know, right now Eli Manning has six touchdowns through six games. He's averaging one touchdown per game. How is that a thing? How is that a thing? How is this guy? How did this guy ever win a Super Bowl? Let alone two. Yeah. How did um, he? How did he ever get to the big so show? I don't understand. Here's where I'm at. Um, maybe um, so. Mentally, he's still there as a good football player. He's starting to diminish physically. I can see one or two things happening. You draft a rookie quarterback and uh, you let Eli kind of teach him, or. You, like you said, you'd get out of that contract and you'd trade Eli Manning to the Bills and have him teach Josh Allen. <clears throat> I mean, you uh, to me, you get Eli Manning out the door. You cut your losses. I mean, like uh, Giants fans right now, what, what kills me is like when you, when you hear from Giants fans. I got a buddy who lives in New York right now, and he's rooting for the Giants to lose <clears throat> at this point because they're sitting at 1-5. and five. He's rooting for the Giants to lose so that – they can go and draft a first-round quarterback. You, well, you remember suck for luck. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's basically what it is. They're they're one in five. Trade the guy, even if you trade him now. I mean, it could be good for, uh, um, it could be good for for Eli as well as the Giants. I mean, let's say you trade Eli to a team that needs help. Well, shoot, send him over there. He knows what he's doing. Jacksonville. Jacksonville could use him. Jacksonville could. I mean, that's that's. Obvious. That's been the place that that people have been screaming for him to trade him to. I mean, this this is starting to make waves here, and I'm starting to believe that it's the best idea for them to just trade Eli Manning, move forward with the the backup. I believe it's Geno Smith, and and just hope for the best. And and if they have a bad year, they have a bad year. It's the year's already kind of tough. Yeah. So and and go go into the number one in the draft and draft the future of your franchise. That's what they got to do. You gotta you gotta draft the the uh, uh, future of your franchise. And and you know Eli is frustrating his teammates right now. His teammates are all pissed off. They're they're all out there on Twitter slamming him. People are are running their mouths now about Eli Manning. And and frankly, I, I think it's time for Eli to see his way out of New York. 
for his sake and for the Giants' sake. But maybe that's just me. Now, <clears throat> talking about players getting traded. Um, Buffalo, they just said that they are not going to trade LaShawn McCoy. They should. They should. I, I, I'm, I firmly believe they should. Their season's basically toast they, as well. They, they can get something out of him. They can get a draft pick or a young piece out of him. I, I would be jumping all over that. Yeah, and I don't understand, you know, why they, uh, they wouldn't make that move. Uh, they need all the help they can get. Trade them away for trade them away for Eli. I mean, go get yourself a quarterback. Go get yourself something that's going to give your team a jump start. That's going to you can build around here. Uh, I, I don't understand the the logic of keeping Lashawn McCoy around. He is starting to come come to life here a little bit. The last two weeks have been a little bit better for him. Um, but Lashawn McCoy has not looked like the Lashawn McCoy that we're used to seeing. And he's been hurt a little bit. He's getting older. He's not getting any younger. You might want to go and get something for him, and maybe they're just waiting till next season when he's in his contract year. That that could be very well be it. But um, you know, Lashawn McCoy is he's a trading piece, um, and there have been people, a lot of teams inquiring. The Eagles inquired with them about him, um, and and the Eagles and Bills have been known to be long term um, uh, trade partners. I mean, they they've traded back and forth on several occasions, so uh, does this hurt the Bills to keep Shady McCoy around? Long, oh, short term, no, because you're not because you're not going to get a good replacement for him. But long term, yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, McCoy is on the back end of his career. Um, he's going to be by the time Bills are good again, he's going to be just about done. Yep. You might as well trade and just get a draft pick out of him, get a, get a get a player out of him, get something for him because by the time you're going to do anything relevant, he's going to be gone anyway. Right. I mean, it just it doesn't make much sense to me um, to just keep him around. I, I don't get it. But um, <clears throat> what can you do now? Signings, signings are something we've got to talk about, uh, particularly in your neck of the woods, Tyler. Um, you, you, you. When I messaged you about this last night, you were just like, man, whatever. You can have them. <laughs> Brashad Perriman signs with the uh, the Cleveland Browns, an ailing Browns team that that needs receivers. They do need depth at receiver. Um, what What do you think? I mean, you, you're saying have them. I think you're a little biased because he was a former Raven that didn't pan out. But I mean, I gotta, I gotta know. You know, do you do, do you think that he gives them anything? Um, here's here's what he gives the Cleveland Browns. Um, they they obviously need depth, and that's what he get. That, that's what they'll get. They'll get a guy who can come in for one play a game and drop the ball. Um, <laughs> um, really, he's there. As really, a, he's there as a body as depth to, to help the subs. That's all he's gonna be able to do. Tell me, tell me how you really feel, Tyler. <laughs> I mean, golly. You really hate him, don't you? You really hate him. Um, top five biggest busts in the Ravens history. Wow. Um, Just not quite as bad as Kyle Ward. Wow. I mean, Brashad Perriman, I, I think he, he's going to give him a little bit of depth. Um, I, I think he... He's faster than hell. Yeah, and, and, you know, and if I know the good thing, and that's what it is, is you you throw him deep to to, to spread the defense out. He's right. going to be more of a decoy guy to help spread the defense out. He's not going to give you anything of an impact as far as getting the ball. I got to tell you, I I really hope that when the Browns take on the Ravens coming up here, I hope that Brashad Perriman just tears you guys limb from limb. It would just be the funniest thing ever, just because you hate him so much. Uh, yeah, he'll, he'll do, do a great job in uh, having the ball hit the turf. 
Golly. Yeah, something that Ra- so Ravens fans will get like nice little homage to uh, what 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 they missed out on is drop, yeah. drop 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 drop. Now talking about drops, um, <clears throat> you know, so here's something I I thought was kind of interesting about drops. Eric Ebron, he goes and gets signed by the Colts after the Lions let him go. One of the big reasons that the Lions let him go, to, you know, to free agency was everybody was talking about. His drops, right? That's all we ever heard about. Oh, Eric Ebron, Butterfingers, dropping the ball. We always heard that nonsense. The Detroit Lions, number one, everybody was talking, the Lions fans were always talking about Eric Ebron and how he couldn't catch the ball. But but one thing they, they never realized is Eric Ebron, through his first five years, um, he had more catches, or he, had, he had the fifth most catches amongst tight ends in their first five years. Fifth most. I mean, I think that should that should tell you if he had so many drops. How many times were they throwing him the football? True. I'll get ready to say it. Um, if he has the fifth <clears> most, I mean, he could have been possibly um, top two if uh, he didn't drop the ball. So right. But I mean, it, it tells me his targets have been, have been pretty big. Yeah, he's he's gotten a lot of targets from Detroit, and and now he goes over to Indianapolis. Eric Ebron is lighting up the world over there in, in Indy. Um, has recently, especially in the last two weeks, um, kind of come around. It, it's been something to behold. Uh, you know, four receptions for 71 yards, he gets in the end zone. Uh, nine receptions for 105, gets in the end zone twice. Uh, five receptions for 40 yards, gets in the end zone. Uh, Redskins, he only had three for 26, but he got in the end zone. And, and you can't and you can't say it's a difference of of uh, going from. Uh, Subpar quarterback to a great quarterback because I mean, yeah, it is an upgraded quarterback, but not by much. It's not by much. I, I believe Matt Stafford. Um, I think the Lions just didn't really know how to use this guy, and he's been a real red zone threat. He's he's uh, been a possession type of tight end, which is is fantastic. And you know, he's not putting up huge yardage or anything other than the last two weeks where he put up one hundred five and seventy one, which are high for tight ends. But he's put up three touchdowns uh, in the last two weeks. And overall in the season, he's put up six. He's put up a touchdown in all but one game this year. And and that and that exists though. Um, there there are certain coordinators who don't know how to use tight ends. I mean, look at Jimmy Graham. He was arguably the best tight end in the game when he was in New Orleans. Yep. He he gets traded to Seattle. Night and day difference. And Doesn't I won't do anything. I also want to point out. Okay, so let's look at the the stats through through. Um, the, his career here. In no, 2014, he has 248 yards. He's already surpassed that. That was his rookie year. 2015, 537. He's right on the doorstep of that. 537. So, I mean, right now he's at 326. So he's right on the doorstep if he keeps doing what he's doing. In 2016 was his biggest year. He had 711 yards, but he only hit the end zone once. Um, 2017, 574. So he's on the doorstep of that. So I believe he's going to... Uh beat his uh, career high. Yeah, I, I think he's going to beat his career high. He's already beat his career high in touchdowns for his single season high. Right now, through six weeks, he has six touchdowns. The high, the closest he had was in 2015 when he had five. Um, and that was an entire season's worth. So he's already broken his single season touchdown record. If you're the Detroit Lions, are you kicking yourself at this point? I think you are. I, 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 they, cause they don't have anybody much better right now. I think. They, Is I that think- Miller? I, I think so. Yep, Miller. I think was their their uh, um, possession tight end that doesn't know how to possess the ball. I I, I think they should have given him one more chance, and it's showing that it would have panned out. Right. 
Um, and, and I mean, everybody, everybody was wondering what tight end was going to step up. Everybody was saying, oh, oh, which tight end is going to be there for the Detroit Lions? And, and none of them have. <laughs> none of them have, have stepped up. Uh, Luke Wilson, that's the guy's name. Luke Wilson, um, he's their number one. They have Levine Toilolo over there. He hasn't really done anything. Um, they, they haven't had a, a high-volume receiving tight end for a while now, and, and I'm supposed to sit here and think that, that uh, you know, them getting rid of Eric Ebron was a smart idea. I mean, he was a high-volume receiving tight end. That's why they picked him up. Remember, they drafted him first round. Everybody was like, blow my brains out. Everybody knew, though, that Brandon Pettigrew – much like they complained about Ebron, Brandon Pettigrew had a worse drop problem than Ebron did. Absolutely. So, I mean, a lot of questions there. They had Darren Fells. I thought that was a great guy to have around. They, they let him walk. Um, Joseph Fourier. Fourier was a great red zone threat. He Was he, was he going to be a great possession tight end? I don't think so. But, you know, they just they let him walk. I, there's so many guys that, that the Detroit Lions just go through, and then they, they go, oh, well, <clears throat> we're going to have – you know, Luke Wilson be our guy. Luke Wilson has not been very good. Luke Wilson, I mean, to me, uh, he, he's had drops. I've seen him drop the ball a lot. Uh, look, Let's look at Luke Wilson right now. <clears throat> here's, here's your big, big replacement. You ready for this, Tyler? Yep. Luke Wilson, through this year, he has four receptions for 29 yards. Wow. Four. Really? Is that is that not the answer? And and I'm supposed to believe that this guy is is the answer in Detroit. Let's look at the other guy, Levine Toilolo. What does he have this year? You ready? Three receptions for 19 yards. Let that sink in, and then tell me that they found an answer at tight end. <laughs> I agree. They, they're either going to go into free agency and pick up a tight end or they're going to have to draft Noah Fant, and I don't even know how they're going to get up to that high in the draft to draft Noah Fant. So, I mean, the the Lions are, are looking rough at tight end. Eric Ebron goes out the door, tears it up in Indy. I think the Lions fans should be kicking themselves for calling for his head. I think the Lions front office needs to be kicking themselves for letting him walk out the door. So I'm just throwing that out there. Now, um. I want to talk a little bit about uh, guys coming to life. Speaking of, of guys coming to life, we've got a guy that came to life in Minnesota, Anthony Barr. Now, now, two weeks ago, I was crapping all over this guy for, for giving up three touchdowns in the Rams game. He was getting torched all over the field. You remember that? Yep. Yeah, he looked bad. And uh, now you've got Anthony Barr. That has, I mean, this last game he batted a pass down, caught a forced fumble for a turnover. Um, he looks really good, and he's been looking good. Um, is Anthony Barr the? Is he on the way back up? Is he? Mm -hmm. Is he starting to look like the Anthony Barr of old? A few weeks you were calling for his head. I was. Um, he's starting to come around. I think because he's capable of what he's doing now. I, I'm going to continue to say that he's coming around. He's going to keep. There, but never know. See, the man's taking me for a roller coaster ride here because I, I mean, I believe that he should. Before the season started, I believe he should have been re-signed to a long-term deal, you know. And we get four years into the season, and Anthony Barr is looking like poop. Um, he got beat to high heaven in the Buffalo game. He got beat to high heaven in in the the game against the Rams, 
And and now we're we're here we are two weeks later and the guy's batting passes down. He's making great plat, uh, pat, ah, making great plays on the ball. He's batting passes down. He's he's causing forced fumbles. He's hitting the quarterback. He's hitting the runners in the backfield. All of a sudden, Anthony Barr has showed up to play. And you know, has he has he done enough to be worth the money that he's he's begging for? No, because two weeks ago we were talking about him as and and. Many news media outlets out there were were saying he was the uh, most disappointing player in the league for this year so far, and now we're we're over here talking about him like he's he's just doing the job and tearing it up. So I gotta love um, what Anthony Barr has done over the course of the last two weeks. I hope he continues it. As a Vikings fan, I hope he continues it. <clears throat> I don't know that he will. The guy's obviously horrible in pass coverage. I mean, can we can we face that fact? Yep. Yeah, but I mean. Ultimately, Anthony Barr has has played good ball the last two weeks. I've been impressed with him. So hopefully, he keeps that up and gets that long term deal. I, I, I got to get comment. Um, What's that? I, I've decided this. When it comes to the Vikings, mm-hmm. you are the human version of overreaction Monday. I am. I am. Um, you're an overreactive fan. <clears throat> I. You're a very reactive person too. Well, here's the thing about about the Vikings this year. And and number one, when I see bad play. You know, a lot of guys will go out there, and, and you're you're the same way about the Ravens. When your guys play bad, you call them on it. And you you say, hey, you know, get rid of this fucking guy. He's playing like garbage, right? I mean, you've said it, you've said it about Michael Crabtree, right? Michael Crabtree, let's face the fact, when, when he dropped two passes in the end zone last week and I didn't put him in my forgetful five and I made him an honorable mention, you said, he should have been number No, I made him number four. You said, he should have been number one. Uh, even though you but, had Mason Crosby miss four field goals but, that were chip I mean, shots. I, I'm, also, I'm also not sold on him being back and not dropping passes even no. after good performance. Right, right. But, I mean, just the fact that, you know, you, you were, he should have been number one. He was the worst received person on the field this past Sunday. No, he wasn't. But, I mean, like, that's how you get about your team. You get passionate about your team. Now, when when it comes to the Vikings, I mean, are they playing good ball the last two weeks? Yes, they played good ball the last two weeks. Did I expect them to beat the Eagles? No, they didn't beat the Eagles. They squeaked by the Eagles. Um, and, and let's face facts, they squeaked by an Eagles team that really isn't the best Eagles team that we've seen over the course of the last year. Um, they beat the Arizona Cardinals. They they handled the Cardinals very well. They beat them 27-10. to 10. Uh, The O-line needs a lot of work. And I think we can we can agree on that definitely. The offensive line needs some work. They had a great running game, but they did take on the Arizona Cardinals team that ranks 31 against the rush. So I do I buy them yet? No, I don't completely buy the Vikings yet. I think that they could still win this division. I still believe that they're they're the best team in this division, but that has yet to be seen because the Bears are still playing very good football. Um, the the Vikings could wind up number two in this division. They could wind up dead last. We don't know, but. It could happen, and and uh, the Vikings. They, if you look at their their schedule moving forward, the divisional games in this in this in the NFC North are going to be very rough. They're going to be tough games, and they're going to be tough, grind them out type of games. Whether we shit on the Lions or not, let's face the fact: the Lions right now are still a decent team. They just beat the hell out of the Packers, right? I mean, they they whomped on them. So I can only imagine what they're going to do. The Vikings secondary that's missing a, a pretty, you know, a piece to their their uh, corners there. I can only imagine what's going to happen when Anderson Deo's sitting on the bench and Georgia Loca, who's still a good safety, is you know is out. You're going to see a lot of tough games out of the NFC North. 
and you're going to see you know some interesting stuff happen. And I'm not completely sold on the Vikings, for example, beating the Bears. I'm not completely sold on the Vikings beating the Packers. I'm not completely sold on the Vikings beating the Lions. I expect to split in all three of those or in all six of those games. I expect to be one and one, one and one and one and one. That's kind of the expectation um, for every division that normally should be. So that's what I expect. I don't. I don't know that I expect that if I'm the New England Patriots. <laughs> if I'm the New England Patriots taking on Miami Buffalo and and uh, every year they drop one, yeah, every year they drop one. But do you expect them to lose to Miami Buffalo or no? Or, like, no. You know what I mean. At the end of the day, I mean, like, but this division is so tight, and and a lot of these guys on the, in this division are very very talented. I mean, the Vikings, uh, I think they if they make the playoffs, I think they get eliminated in the first round. To be honest with you, but I hope that's not the case. Um, now, moving into other NFC North stuff, uh, Jim Taylor. Packers legend, he dies. Um, it's a sad day, sad day for football. Um, he, the, the man, was a legend. He he played with the Packers from '58 to '66, um, and he also played with the New Orleans Saints in 1967. Um, lived a long, long life. He was born in 1935, dies in 2018. Uh, he was a hell of a fullback, and uh, I mean. The Packers got to be mourning this one. Um, the, the, he had a tremendous career. Absolutely, he, it's a sad day. He, he lived pretty long, like. Yeah. But it, rushing it was a sad day when you uh, rushing lose a rushing title in 1962. He beat out Jim Brown of all people. Um, guy loved to talk trash. He had he had uh, uh, he hated the the New York Giants linebacker Sam Huff. Always always said that they they were very confrontational with each other. Um, you know, guy was an LSU Tiger. Uh, he he led the SEC in scoring from '56 and '57. Was a first team All American. Uh, I mean, it, it was the guy's had a, a hell of a, a hell of a career. Um, he did win Super Bowl one, um, four time NFL champion, five time Pro Bowler, three time All Pro, three time Second Team All Pro, NFL Most Valuable Player in 1962, uh, NFL Rushing Yard Leader in '62. Two-time NFL rushing touchdowns leader, 61 and 62. 1960s All-Decade team. Uh, he was uh, number 31, was retired by the New Orleans Saints. He's in the Packers Hall of Fame, first-team All-American, first-team All-SEC. So this guy basically did all that, that you could do in football. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, um, so rest in peace, uh, Jim Taylor. Um, you will be, uh, well, for, you will be missed Maybe not by my my fellow NFC North teams, but you will definitely be missed. Man, he was a, a hell of a player. Um, so kudos to him on a, a wonderful career and a, a tremendous life. Now, um, what else we have here? Uh, John Gruden. Let's talk a little bit about John Gruden. Um, one of the hottest stories of the offseason. A lot of people thought maybe John Gruden would come in and turn this team around. Yeah, the Raiders were in dire straits. We we saw a lot of, a lot of bad things going on in Oakland there. John Gruden comes rolling in through the door, and this guy, uh, uh, you know, we 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 remember what he did in Tampa. You know, John Gruden was doing strange things in Tampa Bay that and worked. Before that, in Oakland as well. Yeah, and, and but they worked. That's the thing. Like, like he was doing these strange things, and they worked. He 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 came in and and you know was was picking strange receivers and and. Oh yeah, that guy will be my starter. Oh, here Brad Johnson's going to be my starting quarterback. That guy's been a backup his whole career. 
I mean, this guy, I mean, he, and then he goes and he wins a Super Bowl with this team where we're all scratching his head, scratching our head going, how in the hell did he do this? I mean, we, we wondered that uh, weeks after the fact. We're going, he used to be a mad scientist. Yeah. And, and now here, here he is trying to, uh, you know, put together the pieces of Jack Del Rio's uh, uh, mistake. And um, Gruden, who, uh, he goes in, in uh, an interview after this last game. Okay, we, we got to see John Gruden go out there and, and say, he, first he trades Khalil Mack, first of all. He, he gets to the front office to trade Khalil Mack, and he goes, oh, yeah, let's get rid of this guy. I don't know. He doesn't want to be here. Let's just get rid of him and get something for him. And it was, was it smart to get rid of Khalil Mack to get draft picks? I mean, sure, you're building your team for the future. I get it. Same time, you don't expect to go into uh, an interview after a game and say, well, we're lacking a pass rush when you watch Khalil Mack walk out the door and you basically gave him a boot in the ass and said, have a nice day. No, no worry if you don't have a pass rush. You've got the best pass rush in the game. Yeah, and, and Khalil Mack, you see what he's doing in Chicago. The guy shows up there, and then next thing you know, Chicago's being talked about as a Super Bowl contender because Khalil Mack is making their defense look incredible. I mean, you, you'll, of course you don't have a pass rush. Of course you're not going to have that. You, when you traded Khalil Mack away, you might as well have just wiped your hands clean of the season, said, all right, fellas, we're in rebuild mode. Because that's, a, that's the message that you sent your team, and that's the message that your general manager sent your team. That is the message that you sent your defense. We've got a bunch of aging guys like Donald Penn. He's going to be going out the door. I mean, you sent that message, and now you're going to go into the, the – um, you're going to go into interviews – after the game, and say, well, we lack a pass rush. Well, no crap. I mean, really. I know, I agree. It's, it's, it's a it's silly remark to make after you, after you make, make all these splashes in, in the, in the offseason. Like, it makes me wonder how high John Gruden is. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, what, did he I, go I, to I, L.A. and I just start? Uh, just starting to regret uh, some of the decisions he's made. I mean, did he, did he take some acid and then go out on the field? I don't understand. Like, like, what kind of jack wagon goes out and it, it's like punching yourself in the balls and wondering why it hurts? Like, it just it's senseless. I, 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 I don't get, I, I don't get John Gruden. I, I don't know if he was just trying to make an example of Cleo Mack. You know, saying, "Well, if you don't want to be here, I don't want you here," just so he could show how big his ding ding is. I, I don't know, but but it's just like none of it makes sense. None of it makes sense to me at all. And, and right now, he's showing himself as the worst hire in the NFL this offseason. So far, yeah, that's exactly what it's looking like. Yeah, and, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm confused by, by the logic. I mean, they, they go out and they put up 45 points against the Browns, and, and it, it was their only win so far. And, and uh, uh, then they get trounced by, and, and what did you expect your defense to do in this situation? You lost your most prolific player. You got a bunch of nobodies on your defense. And then you expect your defense to come out there with you have no pass rush, and you expect them to just set the world on fire anyway. It was never going to happen. No. It, it changed a lot of people's um, preseason predictions, knowing that they just got rid of such a big player. And here, now it's showing. It, it is. It's showing big time. And, and I mean, he, he's... You can tell that he's not sold on Derek Carr. Well, guess what, Gruden? I don't think Derek Carr is sold on you. 
I don't think your entire team is sold on you. And and John Gruden has to understand, like, you know, it, it's very similar. I mean, you see this transformation going on in Detroit right now where where team the team was not happy with Matt Patricia, and you could tell the team wasn't sold on Matt Patricia. They weren't buying Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia stands there by himself with the team like 15 to 20 yards away from him all throughout the game. And then you have you have uh, uh, John Gruden doing, and now now the Lions are starting to come around Matt Patricia, and they're starting to to you know accept him, and that's great. John Gruden goes out here, and and the team's not accepting him, and all he keeps doing is just kicking him in the nuts over and over again. I don't understand. You might as well just go out and slap your your starting quarterback in the face. Yeah, there seems to be so much dysfunction there. Right? I don't, I don't get it. I mean, everyone's there's all the hype, and the hype isn't even coming close. Yeah, uh, and and Gruden, um, uh, I, I I I don't think he was ready to play on Sunday. You got beat by a Seahawks team that wasn't very good. That still isn't very good. They're very, I guess, middle of the road. You could say uh, the Seahawks. I mean, I don't completely buy the Seahawks, and and now they're they're. Paying this guy a hundred million dollars to do nothing. Yeah, they're they're starving for a while. They gave, yeah. they gave him too big of a deal. And and whether or not the whether or not Gruden is going to say it, or or whether or not Davis is going to say it, or or whatever the case, they they basically they, when you traded Khalil Mack away, you were in rebuild mode. Yes, that was exactly what it was. It was you know we're trading him away, we're getting draft picks, we're going to rebuild mode, and they might as well have just come out and said it. But the only reason they're not going to say it is because they don't want to, you know, create panic. Because the moment any of these fans here rebuild, it's just, you know, hands flailing in the air. The the sky is falling, and the room is on fire, and we're burning alive, and we can't escape. You know what? Rebuilds are not a bad thing. It sucks to be in rebuild mode. Are you going to see your team change? Sure. Are you going to? Are you going to? Um... But I don't think the Oakland Raiders in this case. Are in that big of a rebuild? They don't. All they need to do is take some of those draft picks that they acquired from the Khalil Mack trade and do. Yeah, the offense needs to do is is fine. I mean, the only thing it's really doing is the offense is, is has to put up so many points as they keep in the game. Right, and and they they're not going to put up monster points every game. Let's just face that fact. And Amari Cooper is is having trouble um, right now, and I don't I don't know if it's just Gruden's scheme or what. But Amari Cooper is not playing very good ball right now. John Gruden needs to just come out and say it. We're in rebuild mode. Khalil Mack's gone. This was my fault. We have to. You're going to have to play ball with me here for a minute. So I mean, John Gruden, worst, uh, worst hire in in the league right now. Um, but speaking of bad coaches, Mike Smith, the defensive coordinator for the Bucks, fired after this Can't past really week. Though, because as good as the offense has been doing. The offense has had to be that good. Yeah. The defense has been miserable, allowing 30-plus points in just about every week. Yeah, I um, I, I, I like that. Uh, I don't like to see anybody get fired, okay? But 34-29 um, to 29 to Atlanta, divisional game. Um, the linebacker coach, Mark Duffner, is going to be the interim, interim defensive coordinator in the meantime. Um, he was the Bengals defensive coordinator in 01 and 02, and, and the Bengals actually had pretty decent defenses at that point. Um, it was just bad. It was just uh, the, the defense has been awful. Um, I, I don't know that it's necessarily the defensive uh, uh, coordinator's fault. I mean, but at the same time, I. 
I think the the some of the blame needs to go there, but they gave up 416 yards of offense to the Atlanta Falcons. Now, understanding you're giving it up to the Falcons. I mean, understand it's arguably one of the one of the most explosive defenses in football or offenses, rather. Yeah. Am I right? I mean, uh, and and on the against the Bears, they gave up 48. So the last two games have been really really bad. Now, does that necessarily mean? That their their uh, defensive coordinator is bad. I don't know. I can't say that that he is. Um, I think some of their players have been underperforming. I, I think it's a desperate attempt, in a, knowing that they're still in this division. They want to keep fighting for. They're trying to make it really they can to uh, make their defense better, and then they they think this is the right call. Right. Um. And really, and, and here's here's uh, um. A kicker. They're they're still number two in the offensive department, so that's that's been keeping them alive here. I'm actually surprised they're still number two. Yeah, I am yep. too. And whoa, we just got a breaking news update. Uh, Seahawks owner Paul Allen has died. Um, oh, we have Hodgkin's lymphoma. lymphoma. Um, wow, huge, huge thing. Wow, I'm still young too, 65. Very, very young. Wow, uh, very uh, uh, huge news there. Um, now the Seattle Seahawks. I'm not sure who's going to wind up taking over that team as an owner. Um, wow, that's craziness, absolute craziness. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I want to talk about this real quick. So Tampa is. I want to make sure I'm not crazy here. I need to look at this completely because something is telling me that this is wrong. Right now, the the stat sheet is telling you that they're the number one or number two defense in the league. Defense? Yeah, defense. Mm. So something's wrong there. So I'm just going to fix this here. Um, let me see here. Uh, no, meanwhile, while he's looking up that, and there's another breaking news story. Go back to John Gruden. Mm-hmm. The Raiders are seeking a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Ooh, and Amari well. Amari is on the decline. Let's let's face that fact. He's on the on decline. the decline or a bad system. It could be a bad system. I think I think any team. Yeah, Buccaneers are thirty-first in in uh, total defense. There we go. He must have had it flipped. But in any case, if if they get, is this smart? We'll start with that. Is this smart? Well, I mean, if you're already in rebuild mode, I guess mine as well. Now, um, you know, Gruden says he's not. So yesterday he said he wasn't shopping Amari Cooper. And now they're saying we want a first rounder for Amari Cooper. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that, that somebody just reaches out and just says, we'll take Amari Cooper. Yep, Cleveland could definitely use Amari Cooper. And they have Jacksonville and Amari Cooper. I'll tell you what, Cleveland has plenty of cap space to do it, and they could yes. sign him for a long, long time. This could get interesting. Um, they've asked for a first round pick in exchange for Amari Cooper, which uh, seems incredibly significant, and it might make it difficult, if not impossible, to trade him, um, according to Ian Rappaport. So, I mean, okay. Uh, Gruden and uh, they they're asked him asked Gruden about it and Gruden said I don't know, um, you know and and uh, he he just 
He, he's not – Gruden is we're, – we're right back on this guy making stupid moves. And, right. and, and, and do, how much of this do you, do you put on him at this point? How much do you put on John Gruden at this point in time? How much is John Gruden, uh, um, you know, manipulating this whole thing and causing this problem for – the Raiders at this point is he dismantling the Raiders? Is he when is he going to admit that he's in rebuild mode in Oakland now? I don't think he will admit that, but I think he put a lot of women. I think he's I think he's uh, hurting this team at this point. Oh, he's de- completely destroying this team right now. This is probably one of the the most bo- another boneheaded move. We're going to trade away a superstar with two years left on his deal. I mean, is he high? <laughs> That's the question. Is he high? I, I want to know how high he is. Drug test this man. Somebody get the NFL wellness policy on this situation because holy smokes. I mean, like, John uh, John Gruden is, is over here just – I mean, I, I don't understand. He's, he's also in discussion to trade Carl Joseph, former first-round pick. I guess we'll see what happens over the next coming weeks. He's just imploding a team that that a year, what two years ago we were talking about as a playoff team. I mean, what's next? Are you going to dump Jarrett Carr? Maybe. I mean, it's, I don't understand. I don't understand the logic here. Uh, and I understand Amari Cooper is is not has not been playing good ball. Let's let's face that. I mean, I'm not I'm not oblivious. The guy is 225 yards through six games. But how much is that is, is Amari Cooper's fault? Is the, are they in the Jets, I mean, there's teams out there that could use a receiver. The Jags, the Jets, they could use a receiver. Cleveland, they could use a receiver. I mean, there's plenty of teams out there that could use this guy, a guy who's Dallas. Dallas could use a receiver. There's another one. Plenty of teams that could use him. God forbid New England. Imagine if Amari Cooper went to New Orleans. Oh, oh, my gosh. It would just be it, the biggest coup de gras right there. I mean, you you wanted to talk about a Super Bowl. Imagine if he went to, to the Rams. Uh, I mean, this guy, you're shopping around a, a number one receiver. Gruden's over here saying, oh, we're not shopping. And that was 10 hours ago that he said, oh, we're not shopping Amari Cooper. And then, boom, we're, we're shopping Amari Cooper for a first-round pick. This is senseless. This is senseless. I don't understand it. I'm, I'm, I'm almost. I'm not even an Oakland Raiders fan, and I'm going. You're the most dumb general manager and coach combo I've ever seen in my life. Now, um, speaking of receivers, uh, Kelvin Benjamin. So we we had a, a a report come out over the weekend that Kelvin Benjamin he he refused to take first team reps with with Josh Allen. Um, now we've seen Kelvin Benjamin have some some uh, uh, tension with uh, former quarterback Cam Newton, um, and and we we see Kelvin Benjamin when when these types of things go down. Kelvin Benjamin has a tendency to just stick him in his back pocket and not really say much. You know he he didn't say much in the the Cam Newton situation. Um, now he's not saying any much in the the Josh Allen situation. Do you think this is bigger than it is? Now, Kelvin Benjamin, he said, oh, no, it's no big deal. I was just warmed up already, so I didn't need to take those first-team reps. But do you think he just doesn't like Josh Allen and doesn't want to work with the guy? I think he wants out of the team. I think I'm, I'm with you there. I think he wants out of the team unless he gets a good quarterback. I mean, and can you blame Kelvin Benjamin at this point? No, the Bills are a dumpster fire. Yeah, 
I, I think if you're Kelvin Benjamin, you're you're asking to be traded, and you're seeing Amari Cooper getting shopped around for a first rounder, and and uh, you want out. Um, so I, Kelvin Benjamin. So do you think do you think he has a problem with Josh Allen? I mean, because Josh Allen hasn't been playing good ball at this point in time. I don't think it's specifically Josh Allen, no. Oh, okay. You just think it's the team as a whole. Yes. <laughs> okay. I, I personally think it's more so Josh Allen because it, you know your primary attention is going to be with the guy that's delivering you the football. So I, I mean that's that's kind of a a, a big deal there in in Buffalo. I think uh, you're going to see after his contract is up, you're going to see Kelvin Benjamin going on the move. Um, and last but not least, I want to talk about um, the. So this weekend we got to see one of the most ironic. Uh, I won't say ironic, but one of the the weirdest tackles I think I've ever seen, and a painful one to watch, really. From a guy, you know, I used to have long hair, Tyler. You remember that, or you you you've seen pictures of that anyway. Yeah. Um, Clowney makes a tackle over the weekend um, using the hair of the opposing running Chris back Ivory. of Chris Ivory. Yeah. They, so, <laughs> I mean, does this start becoming a rule? No, we, we this this was this was looked at probably about ten years ago that they wanted to be a rule you can't grab by the hair to tackle, and they wanted to be deemed a horse collar tackle. Right. Um. But what came out was saying, well, it's the player's choice to have long hair. Um. You have long hair. If you can't tackle by the hair, it kind of gives the player an extra advantage to give you less area to tackle. Right. So it, they said, you know what? It's on the player. If he wants to have long hair, that's on him. Right. And uh, it, it was probably one of the most painful tackles I've ever seen. With with him grabbing the hair because I could only imagine how I mean and it was a single dreadlock. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised it didn't come out. <laughs> I mean, it was just painful to watch. Um, I don't think it becomes a rule. I'm with you on this one, but it wouldn't surprise me with the NFLPA that that's something about like grabbing you know uh, hair and things like that. Um, if it becomes a rule, I, you know, then I, I I'm a player. I'm growing my hair out to my butt because now it just gives me more area to get a free penalty. Right. Right, I mean that's that's kind of what it is, um, and and he he's been uh, Clowney has been penalized quite a bit this year already. He's been penalized eight times this season. Um, two of them were taunting penalties, two offsides calls, two neutral neutral zone infractions, and an encroachment flag. Um, he he doesn't get uh, penalized for this one, uh, but people were were wondering, you know, if it was going to wind up being a penalty. It's not against the rules, like you said. But um, I, knowing the NFL Players Association, it wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, you know, it did become a thing. So um, there's that. And with that, Tyler, we are all done with our Around the League stuff. Yeah, just lose predictions. Yeah, and right now I'm, I'm what, one behind, right? Two. Two behind. Two behind. So, we you know, still have the Monday night game, but we both hit the Packers. So it's going to be a Packers. Yeah. So, so currently we are at, um, I have, um, I am 51, 39, and 2. You were 49, 41, and 2. Mm. Well, I got I got some uh, catching up to do still. I was hoping to make some headway, but I'm still two down, which yeah, kind of makes I me sad. Yeah, I made a couple boneheaded moves that kind of allows it, I could have I could really got taken away. But um, if the Chiefs would have won last night, we would have been tied. Oh, damn you, Patrick Mahomes. Um, so, Tyler, with that, we're moving into week seven of this season. And uh, are you ready to rock? Yeah. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, is that time for season predictions? You just did that, didn't you? Yes, I did. Oh, boy. Yes, I did. So, um, 
we got uh, quite a few season predictions coming up here. Are you ready, Tyler? Are you ready to jam? Let's do it. Keep, oh. keep this victory run going. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, starting off, we got the Broncos and the Cardinals on Thursday Night Football this upcoming week. I'm going Broncos. I'm going Broncos. They've been putting up a fight with a lot of teams, though, though. most notably this week against the Rams. Yeah, I mean, the Case Keenum hasn't been playing as bad. He's been a little bit of a gunslinger. He's not playing as bad as I thought he would. Um, but uh, he, he's still not, you know, an elite quarterback. He's been a good game manager. Um, I'm calling Broncos and that, that powerful Broncos defense. That's still a thing around here. Um, next up, we got the Titans and the Chargers on Sunday. It's in London. For early morning game, I'm going to go with the Chargers. Yeah, I'm going with the Chargers as well. I think Phillip Rivers is going to have a field day here. Um, and, I, and I expect Melvin Gordon to, to eat up that Titans defense. Um, almost every one of these games almost always end up being really one-sided. Yes. So it's, well, this could be interesting. Yep. Uh, next up, the Panthers and the Eagles. Kind of a toughie here. Yeah. This, this one's um, a, a little little bit interesting. I'm going to go Panthers. You're going to go Panthers on this one? I think that... Um, wow. Uh, I'm not sure where I want to go with this one. You know, I'm. It, it's... In Foxborough, uh, I'm going Philly. Ooh. I'm going Philly. Not a bad call, though. No, I, I, I think the the uh, uh, the Eagles are favored in that game, and and you know to be honest with you, I I believe that the Eagles they're they're gonna they're gonna hammer Carolina pretty bad in this game. So I, I think I'm gonna go with the Eagles on this one. Yeah, the Eagles are starting to come around a bit better than, than they have. So yeah, they, a, a bit of a lack of a running game for them lately. But, yeah, I'm going Eagles. Now, this one, it, on paper, it looks easy. On paper, it looks okay. But the Vikings and the Jets. It, 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 this could turn into where the AFC East is not being the thorn on your side. But I don't think it's going to happen again. You're not gonna, it's not going to be a repeat of those games. It's going to be a Vikings victory I'm, I'm saying the Vikings are taking this one. I'm nervous to say the Vikings are taking this one. I'm very skeptical to see them taking this one. Um, but I'm going Vikings here. Um, and and I'm, I'm a little nervous about how the defense has been holding up. I don't think Sam Darnold's a monster, but at the same time, they've been getting big plays from weird guys over there in New York. So I'm, I'm hoping the Vikings just take that one home. Uh, next up, the Bills and the Colts. Uh, I'm going Colts. This one's tough. I'm going Colts. Uh, I'm also going Colts. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that one's tough at all. I, I'm going Colts. Now the the next one, the next one is tough. We got the New England Patriots versus the Chicago Bears. The Bears coming off a loss to the Dolphins. They're coming off a loss to the Dolphins, but a very close loss. And and they had that game one had their kicker not missed a field goal. Um, you know, I, the the Dolphins have kind of been a weird phenomenon. Uh, the Bears' defense has been very good. Let's face it, they, they've been a good defense. Um, they've been prolific ever since they added Khalil Mack. I, I'm going Bears. Um, I'm going with the, uh, the the continuation of the Tom Brady's Mad Tour. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go with the Bears here. I believe that the Bears' defense is just going to be too much for Tom Brady. And uh, I, I don't think that, that that Patriots' defense is going to be able to stand up to uh, Mitchell Trubisky. Um, next up, this one is actually kind of tough too. The Browns and the Bucks. I'm going Bucks. I'm going to go Browns here. Um, I think Baker Mayfield comes back strong and starts firing that ball out. I'm, I'm going with the Browns. Um, 
This one's kind of interesting, but I think I know where I'm going with it. The Texans and the Jags. I'm going Texans. Yeah, you know, I'm going Texans. Uh, you know what? I take that back. I'm going to go Jags in this one. I'm going to go Jags. I'm going to. At first, I was thinking Texans. You just said, you know what? I, I don't think the the Texans offense has enough to take down the Jags defense. I'm going to go with the Jags on this one. Um, this one will be interesting. Lions and the Dolphins in Miami. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Detroit football lie downs. I believe Matt Stafford is, is going to have himself a nice day after the bye week. They get they get rested up. Um, I'm confident. I, I think I'm confident in the Lions right here. I am also going to trade. Ah. Now this is one you were you were worried about, and and I think anybody would be worried about um, the New Orleans Saints versus the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I got to be honest with you. I'm going Saints here. Um, for the first time this season, I'm going against my team. Um, I'm also going the Saints. Wow! Wow! Um. I'm not going to say game of the week, but because I think the potential of that could be Eagles and Panthers. Mm -hmm. This could be game of the week, but I think the biggest story here is going to be watching the Saints offense versus, versus the Ravens, the Ravens defense. defense. Yeah, that's, that's the story. That's going to be an exciting one. Um, this one here is kind of a, a sort of a toilet bowl game, I guess you could say. Cowboys versus the Redskins. After what after what the Cowboys just did this week in. The Redskins themselves uh, beat the Panthers. This is a tough game. I'm gonna go with the Redskins. All right, I'm I'm gonna go Cowboys here. I think Zeke has himself a big day. Um, next up, we got the Rams and the Niners. Uh, Rams versus who? The <laughs> San Francisco 49ers. The CJ Bethard led San Francisco 49ers, and we're going. I'm going Rams. Rams, 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 Rams. Um, next up, kind of a decent one, the Bengals and the Chiefs. Now, the Bengals coming off of the loss to, to Pittsburgh. I think the Chiefs are going to light them up like the 4th of July, though. And that's what I'm hoping, and I'm also rooting for that as well. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to go yeah. Chiefs. Chiefs. And uh, last but not least, Monday Night Football. This one should just be a spanking. The New York Football Giants against the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons finally get a game that can just go and be dominant. Yep. I mean, they're a good football team. It's a shame that they get the it's, it's a shame that they have the defense that they do, really. I mean, their defense has been terrible. So I'm going to go with the Falcons on this one. Um, I don't believe that uh, Matt Ryan has a, a – I believe that – I don't think Matt Ryan has defense over there, but his offense is super strong. I don't think Eli has enough protection. I think Saquon is the only thing that they have going for him. I'm going Falcons. I'm also going Falcons. Uh, yeah. Yes. And with that, Tyler, we are all done with episode 16. Episode 16. Great. Yeah. So um, episode 16 of the Outside Blitz in the books. Um, real quick, I just wanted to give a big shout out to um, uh, Jordan J. Scavone, our executive producer. Thank you so much for everything you do. I wanted to uh, just uh, give a quick uh, shout out to our sponsor, It's Your Time Massage. Um Get your massages over at IYTMassage.com. Come check it out. Uh, Amanda's fantastic. You can get yourself a wonderful, wonderful massage. Um, and remember, it's your time. Um, also, Jordan J. Scavone, uh, great books out there, great children's books. Check out Be My Tea and The Mud Princess. 
out there on Amazon right now. You can get those. Um, my kids love them. I'm sure yours will too. So uh, get those books over uh, on Amazon there, The Bud Princess and Be My Tea uh, by Jordan Scavone. Uh, he's a great children's author, and he's a wonderful executive producer. And uh, Tyler, man, we're, we're, we're in the books. That's it. In the that's books. All, that's all she wrote. Yeah. And, and uh, just in time to go watch the Monday Night Football game. Yes. Yes. So uh, with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the Outside Blitz. Uh, for the tenacious Tyler Dean and for myself, the fabulous Scotty Freitown, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back next week right here on the Outside Blitz. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz. And be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz. And feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com.